Hi, my name is Michael Poli, and I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My friends are obsessed and always make jokes and references to it. And so now, 20 years later, I've been convinced to watch the show from beginning to end, one episode a week. I'm a Buffy virgin. Hey! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Buffy Virgin, where we discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, we have we are doing the episode the Zeppo this week, and we have with us, as always, the Virgin, Michael Foley. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. I've watched all of Buffy all the way up to the Zeppo, and we <laughs> and we have Teach John Landis. <laughs> uh, good evening, everybody. Glad to be here. And then, as a special guest, we have returning David, the cartoonist. Yoder. Hey, thanks for having me back on. So let's get started, as we always do, with great lines, followed by weird noticings trivia, questions, themes, predictions, my kill count, and recommendations. Scene one. Apocalypse in Sunnydale. I've got the car and I have to bail. I gotta stop these zombies from baking a cake. Forget the flour and add plenty of steak. I'm on a donut run. Gotta get enough jelly. Jack's my new bug, but he wants to stab my belly. But not in a gay way. Probably cool if you feel that way, or so I said, or used to say. Would that make you happy? Oh, man, she was on with the mailbox. Tell fate stop a demon with an orthodox. Meth is 57. Chevy Bel Air. Uncle Rory, I adore your car. I shall repair. Well, now. Now that I'm a chauffeur, I have faith, pop her shoulder, TBH. I feel like a poser. Now she wants me to hold her? Ladies usually say, I'm the king of the pervs. But who just told me Don't to worry. watch those curves? Faith, yeah, she said it. Now I'm on nerves. I think I'm okay if I'm just hors d'oeuvres. Back to the fight. I got a bomb to stop. Gotta find that gang before they rot. Buffy's no help. She won't even tell me the plot. Did I mention I had sex? I can't believe I had sex. That rock! Back to the school, I quicken my pace. I got two zombies to kill and I'm in a race. The bomb's been set and it's got to count down. High chance of demon invasion in this town. I stopped Jack before the final tick. Hopefully I'm done being a dick. Cause tonight I fought for a noble cause. By the way, Jack was eaten by werewolf Oz. It's all a day's work for Xander Harris. Don't fuck with him unless you're careless. All right, uh, so we have... Uh, some great lines, starting with uh, you, Mike. Okay. I feel bad about this one. I'm going to do it anyway. So it's the, you know which one this is. Xander's uh, grabbing a, a football and uh, hits a guy, and then he apologizes. Boy, I'm so sorry. Bobby's throwing his, his arms like spaghetti. We're all just so sad for him. Is your lunch okay? What are you, retarded? <laughs> That's it. Uh, man, that made me feel all sorts of awkward. <laughs> Yeah. If you said uh, that word in in that context in my classroom, I would be writing you up right now. Just uh, FYI. Oh yeah, no, well, totally. I mean, I, it's not appropriate and wasn't appropriate in the '90s, but it was probably more common. But uh, yeah, no, the awkwardness of that scene and of watching a dude get bullied who's fought monsters is like so rough. <laughs> no, yeah, like the R word, if we can call it that. Uh, is definitely Please. still a thing among children. And uh, I constantly have to explain to children why that's not cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the kid defense is, everyone else says it. <laughs> right? Anyway. Yeah. I jumped out. I was annoyed. I was like, oh, man, this stuff has aged poorly. Yeah. 
But then I remembered all the worst things that we said. Oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. We said way worse things for sure. Don't have to get the whole Me Too thing, but that, uh, anyway. Yeah, Jesus. Natalie Portman, right? That whole thing this week. I felt terrible about that. Oh, I am not up to date. I don't. Natalie Portman thing? Uh, No, I've been talking about being in the professional and after that, uh, getting fan letters who have people with fantasies of her and countdown to when she's 18 websites. And I remember that, that, I remember that website existing. I remember a friend of ours who shall remain unnamed for obvious reasons, sending me that website. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I honestly felt a little less weird about that because she was our age. So it was like, right. The thing about like her being 18 was like not a thing for us. It was like, cause she's always been cute. Right? Or, uh, I, I mean, I will say, <laughs> I don't know why in all of this, no one has ever talks about what a creep Luke Besson is. Uh, this is a real sidetrack to what we're supposed to be talking about here, but uh, Luke Besson's a total creep. Uh, if you look into it. Oh Yeah. Uh, I mean, he married a woman that he met when she was like 13. Mila Jovovich or? No, somebody else. But uh, it was around the time that he was working on The Professional or connected mm. with that. What was the age gap? Do you know? I don't know exactly, but a lot. Is it a Woody Allen age gap? Is it a Michael Douglas? It's a Woody Allen age gap. Um, yeah. A bu- Buffy uh, Angel age gap. What's the uh, Douglas and his wife? Um, she was Catherine in. Jones. Yeah. What's the age gap? There's like 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. Or? No, I mean, I. I mean, at least though, with uh, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones, they met as adults. It's not like you know, and he's like an old dude, and she's like a young lady. But like, this is a situation where, and I somebody should look this up and correct me on the facts because I don't, I wasn't prepared to talk about this. But um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're really starting off swinging. If you watch the uh, um, we, like the, the extra features on the professional on that DVD, uh, it talks about um, how they did the casting for that. And there's an interview with Luke Besson's actual wife from that era, who is a, a, a woman that he met when she was a girl. Gross. And they met when she was a child. Very gross. And they married when it was legal, and, but it was, but, and I guess not a big deal because France, I don't know. But uh, it's definitely not cool. And Luke Besson's a lot creepier than people want to talk about. But not you, John. You're That's so all. brave. You're so brave, John. Uh, how am I brave? What are you talking about? No, I, I'm you, trying to be funny. Talking about it's it. not, not working. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, this is a good uh, transition into my uh, great line. <laughs> is this a penis metaphor? Um, and then I have the other from uh, Xander. Hey, they're not baking any cake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you're still um, muted, John. I'm, oh, thank you. John, you're me. muted. Uh, I just like when Willow says, occasionally I'm callous and strange. Yeah, I like that line a lot. Which is not really true about Willow, but it's funny. I wonder if that I, I've I wonder if like that like burning the marshmallow line that proceeded to that was originally written for another character and they gave it to Willow and then we're like, this doesn't make any sense coming from Willow. So they wrote that other line. Yeah, I feel like this has happened before where there was a moment where Cordelia was like, What? I can't what I can't have layers? Yeah. Where they have yeah. a character say something out of character and it makes them seem more human because real people aren't a character, right? Yeah, they don't all just have their one thing. Right. Their thing. Uh, uh, Yoder, you want to give a couple lines? Okay, I picked way too many, I think. But uh, the yeah, that was real manly how you shrieked and all. That was Faith. And then Xander replied, I think you'll find it was more of a bellow. Um, Why don't you do one more? <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I'll go for broke with uh, the really long one then because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, um 
Did you eat all the jellies, Giles? Did you want a jelly, Buffy? I always have a jelly. I'm always the one that says, let's add jelly into the mix. Uh, I can't even read all of it. Uh, we're sorry. Buffy had three, and that was Willow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Calling out Buffy on all her jelly donut eating. That was a good scene. <laughs> I like that the jelly math uh, adds up. Like... <laughs> We'll talk about that later. Yeah. All right, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. <laughs> uh, Yoder, you you have a comment about the beginning, about the opening scene. Uh, oh, I was just saying uh, that the opening, like the set, seems really cheap. The design of that location, but the demon women or whatever, their makeup's really cool. Yeah. Also, like the moving camera at the beginning gives everybody, or gives like Faith and Buffy like tracking shots. And it's like almost like they're trying to shoot opening credits in that scene. Uh, but I don't think those scenes ever make it to the opening credits. Um, but those demons do look cool. cool. Uh, Mike? Oh, yeah. So I, I like that opening scene a bunch. And it's really fun to hear the, well, see this kind of cloud spell. Willow magic to me, like where she is now, she feels like she's a level three wizard. Um, you know, in the previous episode, uh, you know, gingerbread you know she talked about how many elements she was able to control so it's like in the dnd uh side campaign that we're all playing keeping track of experience points willow's like solid level three right now yeah totally yeah she's definitely recently leveled up like she's no longer at the point where her fail or spells will randomly fail right like her spells that she knows how to cast she'll cast perfectly every time yeah she's like relied on more and more for her spell casting it's kind of neat to see because it's like it's uh the show is not drawing a lot of attention to it and talking about like it's not like congratulations willow it's just like yep willow's taking care of this stuff giles can kind of like point at her and then she's going to take care of something it's it's really fun uh change to the character yeah and she's so yeah she's become a like part of the fighting part of the group unlike xander and that is our story for (laughs) (laughs) uh all right uh see John, you say Giles' sources have dried up? Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. So Giles mentions that he's like, ah, I could, I could have known more about this nest of demons, but all of my sources have dried up since I was kicked out of the Watcher's Council. I think it's odd to think that Giles' ability to be Giles previously was based on his connections with the Watcher's Council, because that never seemed to be true before. It seemed to be something he was doing independently with his books. Yeah. Was it always true before that he was actually just like calling somebody up and getting the answers? <laughs> well, he was did there call, like a watcher helpline? He did call people sometimes. A lot of it came from books, but remember he would be like Well, he is... called somebody he had a personal relationship with yeah. once that I can recall. But that seemed more like a friend calls, connection. He calls I think two or three times. Okay. Different people, but yeah, not very often. Um, yeah, it does seem like whoever he would be relying on would be more just personal like people that he knew rather than necessarily the Watcher Council. Like, yeah. they haven't seemed to do anything of good this entire series so far. I think more Giles just said it to remind us, the audience, that he's been fired. Oh, yeah. And there's a new status quo change, right? But uh, it's still silly for them not to help him. The Hellmouth opening affects us all. <laughs> <laughs> they are, but they are, Giles calls him out later. He's like, you're a bunch of idiots for not returning his calls, right? Like, for the yeah. council. Like, what a terrible organization. So many reasons. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, what if the Hellmouth opened because a watcher was fired? That would be a giant uh, mess. All right. Uh, okay. Two yeah. episodes in a row. 
Yoder? Yeah, we get a Superman reference again. Uh, Xander refers to himself as Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Not getting any of the good stories because Lois and Clark get them all. But I don't think Jimmy really wrote that many stories. He was like the photographer for right. Daily Planet. Uh, he was originally a cub reporter, but then he... Uh, but also, Superman's pal was his own series, so he had his own adventures on that. So, yeah, so I feel like I tried to talk about turtle. this before. I feel like Superman references are extra nerdy among comic book references. And it seems like if anybody among this group of people would get a Superman reference, it probably should be Giles. And he's the only one who doesn't get it. Cause even Cordelia gets it. Uh, yeah. That was odd later that Cordelia, <laughs> if she was just around Xander too much or what. Like, <laughs> Cordelia, Cordelia also makes the famous Zeppo comment, right? Like she is yeah. on the nose for all these writerly things. So yeah. Cordelia is reading comics and watching Marx Brothers movies. There's a lot more to her. She just, she hides it. Yeah. What? She can't have layers? Uh, I, you know, I think part of it, too, is probably, like, she was exposed to Xander for so long. It's probably all his crap. You know, like, all the text <laughs> uh, that he made her read. You know, well, the horrible thing that we all do. Oh, New girlfriend, yeah. I must educate you in the ways you of being a total geek. Superman. I what do you mean you haven't seen Star Wars? <laughs> uh, we're I the worst. I disagree with you, though, that I don't, think Gi- I don't think Giles would catch Superman. I mean, he's a nerd. Because it's so American, too. He's not that kind of nerd. He's yeah. Not Nerd. I guess I just I feel like I think of Superman as my dad's generation superhero. Like I've been, I feel um, like, yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> He's terrible. <laughs> I've been throwing out a lot of old comics this weekend because I'm doing this purge, uh, and I've been saving all my old Superman comics. I I really like old Superman comics. I They're super funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love the old old Superman. Like that was uh, one of the my first introductions into comics. I think my dad realized like I was reading comics on my own and then he brought up like his old comic book collection and he had a bunch of those like 60s era Superman and it'd be the ones like where like oh Superman's like eating a million cheeseburgers keep serving him he's hungry you, gotta, you know it's like it's like this doesn't like or he's just being a super dick to Jimmy Olsen you know it's yeah stuff. those are the great like when, super, when it's not like I've got to overpower this incredible thing by lifting incredibly heavy things when it's like using his power as like comedic things like i don't know when he like needs to pay a really large restaurant bill so he like goes and finds sunken treasure like those are like ridiculous uses of his power uh when did superman lose his sense of humor because i am not familiar with these character versions of superman i've read superman comics they are humorless it's usually like we've discovered a new kind of kryptonite like we talked about last episode a new kryptonite uh does this specific thing to superman sorry you know I'd say they were really funny, like up until like the end of the seventies, maybe. Yeah. Or probably, yeah. Then they got really serious. Anyway, does it follow the same arc of Batman, where Batman is like really goofy and then gets like more serious in the Frank Miller era? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like serious Batman is stupid, and I hate it. But (laughs) yes, yes, agree hard. I agree with that so hard. I disagree. but... But it makes sense. But serious Superman makes no sense at all. Like, <laughs> like, the, like you know, in Man of the visual, even the visuals of trying to like make Superman darker. So now he wears dark blue and like a maroon. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit. All right, uh, uh, let's talk about the Jack O'Toole and Cordelia scene. Um, I say Jack O'Toole. Jack O'Toole is a really dumb name. He sounds like a pumpkin hammer. Uh, because you know a jack-o'-lantern 
is you using a, on, a, a lantern. Is like, did you anybody else notice that he was eating crackers out of a Ziploc bag in that scene? Which I feel like is not cool. Yeah, I the my favorite shot is like when after the confrontation when Cordelia is making fun of him and they cut back to him and he's eating the crackers in like a barely human way like <laughs> like a man who's just discovering how to eat he's like it's such a like I feel like that actor animal. is having a lot of fun <laughs> yeah totally it's weird he goes to the school uh and we can talk more about this stupid. Yeah, she says he's repeated twelfth grade three times, so he's like twenty-two. Like, yeah, but they're like talking about Xander, right? Or crazy? No, no, no. That's no tool. Okay. Uh, yeah, because she's like, you know, like you don't have cool. The one thing that this guy who's repeated the twelfth grade three times has, and then it okay. cuts to him making it clear that he's repeated the twelfth grade three times. It might be hyperbole, but if we take her literally, well, he's like twenty-two years old. I I think it's real because I think this show. <laughs> I think this world revolves around high school. And so this whole, like his whole zombie gang, which we'll get to later are all, are also like a high school gang, you know? Yeah. So I, we can talk about it later. Uh, yeah. And Cordelia is dressed. Um, Yoder, you want to talk about her costuming? Oh, uh, she just like looked very uh, put together adult, uh, like professionally dressed, but it was also creepy to me, like in the scene where like, uh, Xander is confronting Jack O'Toole or, you know, that uh, she's just like standing in the background there. It's like, she has nothing better to do. She appears out of nowhere. She's just there to fuck with Xander pretty much. I also, I thought she was talking to the other cheerleaders, but they're dressed in their cheerleader outfits and she's not. And it really, it really gives like a professor type vibe. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, And then Cordelia calls him the Zeppo, uh, which is a Marx brothers reference. Um, Does did anyone does anyone want to talk about that? I don't know. Like, did anyone do Marx Brothers reference? Uh, I mean, I read the Wikipedia page slightly. Yeah, it didn't have to do a deep dive because I think people know about this reference now, or like this came up in college at least at one point. So like the Zeppo reference is sort of well known to me, but maybe it seems out of nowhere in the nineties. I guess yeah. you have to kind of be an old comedy writer or like an obsessive. I, yeah, television. I think it was popularized by this episode. The idea of someone being a Zeppo originates with this episode right that was not a idea before this right but it's kind of like being uh was it like what's the fifth beetle Sutcliffe, right like uh <laughs> Stu Sutcliffe. well he's one of the fifth fifth beetles there's many fifth beetles okay, sorry <laughs> yeah peter best is also a fifth beetle oh best that's a good one um and there's also like arguably like um uh what's his name the producer of the band was also like the fifth beetle because he did so much but that's the meaning of the zipper, right? It's like the unnecessary yeah. character, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. The one no one thinks about, the one everybody forgets. If you were going to list Marx Brothers, you would forget Zeppo. Yeah. I, I was like going to bring up, sorry, this is, won't take too long, but uh, in school, like I remember being on the bus with some friends and I can't remember. I really think that they were talking about uh, like the three stooges, I think. And we were like trying to list, you know, all the characters, but maybe they meant, uh, the Marx Brothers. But anyway, uh, I kept adamantly saying that Harpo wasn't one of them. That or that you know. Anyway, I ended up having the nickname like Harpo stick with me like way <laughs> late into high school and beyond because of that whole altercation. But but not Wait, Zeppo. So you got a nickname because you said Harpo wasn't a Marx brother. No, I I think I they were trying to convince me that he was a three stooge or something. Stooge. Yeah, no. Larry, Curly, and Moe. 
<laughs> I mean, Harpo is different than the rest of the uh, the Marx Brothers because he comes from like a whole different comedy tradition. Like he's like randomly a mime. Yeah, <laughs> this, a is, complete, yeah. this is a pre Wikipedia problem. I'm sorry, David. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's like it's totally like this is all researchable, but uh, we're bullies and not going to look into it. I like the idea of being bullied over like 1940s comedy. Like that's <laughs> yeah, these were my other nerd friends. It wasn't yeah, bullies, it's so. obscure bullying. <laughs> if only it didn't happen, John. If only there wasn't <laughs> obscure bullying. Oh no, plenty <laughs> of obscure bullying. Thing. We should that that might be a deep stuff for this episode, actually. Uh, obscure bullying. <laughs> Uh, uh, Yoder, you want to talk about um, throw the about whether I mean this is maybe a theme deep stuff thing, but about I guess that's true. Buffy and J- Buffy should trust Giles. Yeah, I and I, especially like for Michael, for you, this being your first watch through after last episode, to see how much Buffy is working with Giles and seeming to trust him, and like he has the throwaway lines about how like, well, I'm no longer technically your watcher, and you know, not working with the council and everything, but. It, it just feels like, okay, we have to acknowledge it, but we're still going to treat the show pretty much the same as it was before last episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's a TV show. I don't expect them to remember too much for episode to episode, so it doesn't bother me that much. And also, this episode feels like it's like so much further in the future, just with like the mm. weird throwaway nature of the hell mouth opening. And like, I mean, I, I comment about this later, but they say like, they are trying to open the Hellmouth, and then they go to that like vampire bar, and like it's been destroyed. Like they came here, and they want to do like we don't really get a handle on the plot of that one, right? Yeah, that's do we the know what's going on. That's the like wacky structure of this episode is like what would usually be the a plot of like the Hellmouth opening and stuff is like the background plot instead. Um. Right, and it's super fun and meta and self-referential. Like we we'll talk more about, it, I'm sure, but like that nature of that threw me off of the Buffy Giles relationship because it felt like we were just back in a generic Buffy adventure background adventure going on. But like, yeah, she totally shouldn't trust him yet. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they build trust over this episode and we don't see it. (laughs) uh, Do you think it's weird that um, Xander is connecting being cool and being an important part of the team? Like, no, you don't. <laughs> okay. I I think it makes sense in as much as like, I don't know that Xander. What Xander's really wants is being cool. I think what Xander really wants is to be accepted. Right. Uh, cool has broader like implications for his standing in the school in general. But what he really wants is to feel like he's a full member of his group of friends. Right. Yeah, but he and I mean, just the way he talks about with in the Oz scene with about being right. cool, like it's somehow yeah. related to being a useful part of the friend group. I, yeah, I mean, I agree that he's conflating two things, but I understand why he's doing that, right? And I think that, like, uh, not to make it too personal, but, like, when we were in high school and we were all buddies, except for Yoder, sorry. Uh, we were all buddies together. I had friends. <laughs> yeah, you had friends who are not on this podcast, I, I assume. But um, uh, when we were all buddies, I mean, I think that was a constant paranoia that I had that, like, I was constantly worried that I was the outs- one of the outsiders to the group or that like I was not a full-fledged member or that like when I wasn't around it wouldn't like you know like I just like yeah. I, I mean it's not a I don't think I don't think it was a legitimate fear at the time but I think that that's a thing that you worry about it's like what do what do these people think of me when I'm not around do they really like am I really the like you know like I feel like a member of the group when I'm there with everybody but like 
am I really? I feel like it's a very normal fear to have. And Xander, like, you know, feel, Xander feels that way. Uh, because what he, he's, he's concerned about what he brings to the table. And I know that's definitely how I felt when I was 17. Yeah. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Maybe. You, you saying that brings a lot back. I hadn't thought about that feeling in a long time. I remember people uh, saying shit. Like, cause like, I mean, the way that we related to each other as 17-year-old boys was to give each other shit constantly. Yes. And like, like say horrible things to each other that I would never say to my worst enemy today. <laughs> um, and I mean, I dished out as much as I took. I don't think, like, I'm not laying anything on anybody's feet here, right? But yeah. like... Um, I think that uh, I definitely, there were things that hurt that people would say about me at the time that were probably, that didn't mean anything, but like there were things that like really people would say about me that really hurt. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm just remembering some of the weird mean things we said. I, well, right. I, but like I did the same thing to everybody else. It's not like yeah. it was a one-way street, right? It was just how uh, we as like broken young men. Yeah did it's how we that's the only way we knew how to have friends yeah uh, but we would be really nasty to each other and i <laughs> yeah. feel like I, so i like i get why xander doesn't feel a member of the group all the time because i think that paranoia about not being a full member of the group is pretty normal uh even if you're not 17 year old boys like even even in normal adult relationships that i have now where we're better about it probably really? i think yeah i mean i think i still have that fear I don't know. That's interesting. I know. I don't, I, I totally know what you're talking about, about high school relations. And I had forgotten, I basically had forgotten about it because maybe I just put it out of my mind, but I feel a general confidence with my friendships now. I don't feel like, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I think it's gotten better. I used to really lose sleep over it. I think. Oh yeah. Right. High school is so fucked up, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I think we all, yeah, I totally agree with John saying, because you have so many relationships that you're trying to tend after in high school, not just you're like, my, these are my best friends. And we hang out. It's like so many to lose sleep over and be concerned about how you appear to them and what they say about you and shit. And right. like, you don't have any much, con- you don't have much control over your identity either. Yeah. Because of your parents or whatever. Well, doing and and in fairness, and maybe this is more unique to us, but probably not is that like, it's not like we didn't have friends who we, tolerated and then as soon as they were out of the room talk shit about yeah like we did have friends like that so it makes sense to be scared that that you were secret that you were one of those people yeah yeah we we did have people like that we We had we had friends who we would be friends with as long as they were present and then we're shitty about as soon as they left the room Mm -hmm. i mean we did do that yeah was it me it wasn't you, Dennis. I can say with 100% confidence that it wasn't you because I was He's there when you right weren't now. there but and he, it wasn't you. Isn't the reality, though, that that's everyone? I think you know who it was. Yeah, I know who it was. <laughs> I mean, it is, but isn't the reality that's everybody, though? Like, everybody gets their turn of like, oh, man, you wouldn't believe X. You know, like... No, I don't. I don't think it's everybody. I think that some people you're fake friends with and some people you're real friends with. But I think that there is... You can be shitty to your real friends sometimes. You can, you can like, yes, you can be shitty to your real friends sometimes, but there are people that you're shitty to all the time. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have those kind of relationships anymore. I don't either anymore. And, I've like, and I'm better about it now. But we definitely did that when we were kids. I'd rather be shitty to my real friends than real to my shitty friends. But 
that's me. Shamrock shakes for my real friends. <laughs> yes, yes. Real rock shakes for my sham. Friends. Oh, beat me to it. Ah, oh, yes. Shampoo for my real friends. Real poo for my sham friend. There needs to be a button we press that produces that quote. So I'm gonna yeah. make that happen. Now. Yeah, and his name is Dusty. Uh. So uh, the jelly donut math works out. Buffy. Oh yeah. So I did a I did a second watch because I watched it on Hulu and then I watched it on my DVD with the captions on, mainly to like make sure I got quotes right and everything. But like when Xander went to buy the donuts, I was like, okay, how many do- jelly donuts did he say he got? He got four, and I was like, that's a lot. And so Willow calls out Buffy for eating three, but that's to throw off the aspersion that she had to have eaten one, maybe the last one even. And that means why Giles had none. It makes okay. This is actually going to connect in a way I didn't expect. It makes sense that the Slayer eats more than everybody else, right? And it's like because she needs like Superman, stuff, like Superman or the Flash. But it mm-hmm. also connects to Faith's thing of associating fighting with food and sex, which Buffy denies, uh-huh. but is clearly actually there. Um, and will or she's just replacing the sex with food since she's only doing Je- jelly donuts yoga are with- the most sexual yeah. of donuts. <laughs> so, so as as it's not cream filled. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So both Faith and Buffy eat a lot, which is weird. Uh, but I guess they need to keep up their super strength is what you're saying. So yeah. Okay. And the flash yeah. does that sometimes, I guess. Sorry. I'm just repeating what you said. The, the weird superhero needs to eat more thing. <laughs> I guess it's like a it, it, and I don't think it's just yeah it's not just like to power them right it's like there's an association of food and sex and fighting like with Faith and Buffy right this is also a callback to something that uh, Mr. Guizo our ninth grade biology teacher said uh what was that oh I don't only remember this because you pointed out to me Dennis that he he was uh really a big fan of the Flash because the Flash was the only superhero who like obeyed like the law of conservation of energy that he couldn't run fast unless he also consumed a large amount of food. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. Apparently my high school memories are not as good as yours, John. Uh, Everything goes straight to the permanent record. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing important though. Don't know where my keys are. Don't know where my wallet is, but I know something you told me in 11th grade. (laughs) Uh, Who wrote the uh, uncle Rory comment? Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I just really obvious statement that uh, Uncle Rory, Xander's Uncle Rory, is insane <laughs> to have lent him his mint condition classic car because, like, I mean, I know that he's in a bad situation where like he's in trouble with the law or whatever, and he can't like drive the car himself. But it's still a crazy idea to lend your perfect condition classic car to a 17 year old kid. Yeah. It's a dumb idea. So the C story would be Uncle Rory having the worst week ever as well, but it's a completely <laughs> unrelated thing. Yeah, is this the same uncle that uh, was a janitor at the uh, computer company that they made that made Moloch the corruptor? Is anyone keeping track of Xander's extended family? No one is keeping track of Xander's family. <laughs> I mean, I know they're all alcoholics and uh, dysfunctional. That feels, that feels easily Googleable. Yeah, I can. We can double check on that one. Uh, yeah, uh, Yoder, you got the next one. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't note down a lot of them, but just watching it, it was very apparent, like how great the scene transitions were, like uh, connecting like lines of dialogue together, or like like 
talking about how like oh Buffy will know what to do and then Buffy's like I have no idea what to do you know like uh, it was a really good way to make sure that it didn't feel too disparate when there's like these two completely different types of stories going on in one episode um, so I just really appreciated it yeah very very tight episode you know uh, Dennis you're correct uh, I Robot You Jane is the first mention of Uncle Rory Yay. oh good wow Uncle this Rory. is why you don't remember high school stuff, Dennis, is because you have all these Buffy memories in your head. Yeah. Oh, man. So one of the things I'm doing in the apartment is I'm throwing out a lot of stuff, but I'm saving all my Star Trek stuff and all my Buffy stuff, and they're, I'm creating a Buffy and Star Trek shelf. Um, <laughs> Do you have a lot of Buffy stuff? I have, like, all the DVDs. Oh, I guess all the art you're doing, too. A bunch of comics and, yeah, the art I'm doing. and Just some other random stuff. Um, but my... My Star Trek collection is actually larger, and I've actually thrown stuff out. But the card, wow! It's a it was a hallmark. Like, anyway, I don't is know it, why I just said that. Is that a Christmas uh, pretty ornament? good? What is that a Christmas ornament? Yes, it's massive. Uh, yes, I also had a hallmark um, Voyager, a Star Trek Voy- uh, the Voyager ship. Uh, oh, I remember the ads for those hallmark ornaments. Yeah, they were gifts from my Aunt Mary Margaret. She would get me... Oh, I remember Mary Margaret. I've met her. Yeah. Nice lady. Yeah. Yep, she's nice. Uh, okay. I say uh, Xander's date reacts really bizarrely to everything. Right up to Bob showing up. Then she reacts uh, more appropriately than anyone else ever does. It's <laughs> like, you know, she's Accurate. like... They get the knife and she's like, I'm bored. It's like, you're having a knife fight and you're bored. <laughs> She's like, not weirded out by like Jack's weird behavior or anything. Um, I think that she just lives inside of like a West Side Story universe where like everything is classic cars and knife fights. Yeah, totally. And that's just, that's just normal for her. That oh, scene man. the bronze is so funny because she's like <laughs> talking up all the other guys that have cars and the make and model. She's like, oh yeah, he's got like an 82 or whatever. And he, and like Xander is supposed to know about this car shit that he's pretending. And yeah. then he's like, Angel, come here. You want to talk, buddy? Hey. And it's just so that fun. is really like, funny that, yeah, he suddenly wants, like, this is the one time in the entire series he's going to want to talk to Angel. But, but I mean, the way they set up the episode, it's like Xander is visited or sees, runs into everybody up to this other major hellmouth situation <laughs> and, like, is rejected by everybody. It is pretty spectacular. Yeah. Uh, you were going to say something, Dennis, that I totally interrupted your, like, thing about car oh. stuff. Oh, there's something about, like, Mustang Mike, or not, not yeah. Mike with the, but Mike with the Mustang. And, like, wasn't um, there a really similar line of dialogue uh, in School's Hard with the delinquent girl dating, like, a, a Mike with a Mustang or something? Is there a, a connection there? I just thought of it. Um, Time to look up the School Hard script. There's the doesn't... point, some point where, where Cordelia is like, you know, college boys have, what is it? Cars. <laughs> she's talking about dating guys with cars. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And now she's not impressed with cars. No. What a hypocrite. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mike, what's the thing about covering up or covering for someone? Oh, it's just this stupid trope of films that is happening here where Xander is being bullied by O'Toole and with the knife and then the cops show up and then xander's like it's cool we were just you know wrestling around hanging out you know and it's the same thing that happened in the pack where like 
Flutie had showed up and like they're bullying. R.I.P. Flute. Yeah, R.I.P. Flutie. They're like bullying a kid, uh, the gang that becomes the pack or whatever, and then the kid like doesn't give him up. You know, when Flutie's like, "Okay, everything's fine," and then it's like, "You're an instant member of a gang." Uh, well, maybe it's because like it's maybe a really minor transgression, but then uh, I don't know to tie back to our terrible uh, world real news like. If you're covering up for that kind of shitty behavior, you'll cover up for other shitty behavior of other dudes, you know. So that's why oh, it shows. Shit. True. Yeah. But then the gang also has an initiation ritual. <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah. which is also confusing because, like, if you their init we'll get to it, I guess. But like, their initiation ritual is like you die to become part of the gang. But they all are just recently resurrected. So were they not a gang before this night, or like? Have they all been resurrected before? I uh, think it's the initiation for like the gang version 2.0 now that they all have been resurrected. Maybe. Like just an unsaid thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, so yeah, let's start talking about the, the zombies. Because um, I think this is the show's for zombies also, right? I can't think of uh, it. How do you feel about the episode where Pat dies? Oh yeah, you're right. The zombies. Bah! Yeah. I'm trying. Well, I guess we'll cover it in predictions. But didn't Michael have a thing about like other types of myth- mythical creatures that might show up and stuff? Was zombies on there? No, I think we'll we're talking out. fairy tale. But. Okay. Yeah, there's something about fairy tales, but zombie is not a fairy tale. Um. Yeah, I just noted though that like, uh, it, it was odd to me that Zombie Big Bob was buried in his letter jacket. Uh, like it's a great visual for the character and how he looks, but. Like, if you think about, like, having a funeral service and, like, I mean, I guess for a teenager... If someone dies in high school, I feel like they yeah. might do that. I think the yeah. Frankenstein kid was probably buried in his Letterman jacket. Yeah, right? I had to check to make sure this wasn't the same guy. Yeah, it I seems like the same, the same guy from the Frankenstein episode. Do you know who it is? No. It's the actor who plays Abraham Ford in The Walking Dead. Um, whoa! Oh! Whoa! Which is whoa. crazy. He's yeah. a zombie I thought he'd look familiar. He's got your mustache, Dennis. Yeah, my old mustache. I yeah, got your previous now. mustache. Now you're more of a goatee situation. This is a full beard. It's just white. You can't see it. Oh, word. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I just thought that was weird that uh, the zomb- he's a zombie in this and he fights the zombies. Monka dead. Uh, and which- yeah, more zombie talk uh, that there's really nice makeup like for the demons and also the zombies and creatures we see later but um and i put on here that maybe see a point from dennis but i saw on wikipedia that like uh, this episode was nominated for outstanding makeup in a series uh for an emmy i don't think it won but it was nominated no i I looked it up because of this note and uh x-files won that year Uh, Um, yeah it looks i went and scanned scanned the primetime emmy awards for makeup for the 90s and it's like i you know this is like the one thing I would have paid attention to because the one part of the Emmys I would have cared about because like for the 90s, it was all like Star Trek winning, Quantum Leap, Alien Nation, uh, Babylon 5, Star Trek again, X-Files, um, like really good run of, and one Buffy, you know. And then in the 2000s, it starts to become like Gilmore Girls and NCIS and uh, Deadwood. Um, so like, I don't know. That's like the one Emmy category that sounds interesting to me. 
Gilmore uh, Girls one for special effects or for makeup. makeup. Um, well, did you see their zombie episode? It's pretty good. <laughs> it was for the episode in 2004. They won for the Festival of Living Arts or of Living Art. So there, I don't know. Uh, Deadwood won. Tracy Ullman's won a bunch of times. Pushing Daisies, Grey's Anatomy, blah blah blah. But it was X Files and Star Trek for most of the 90s. Uh, all right. Um, I say Giles argues with a cloud and doesn't notice Xander's new zombie friends. I just like that Xander Giles is so focused that he doesn't notice there's like zombies wandering around in the background. I mean, I know he's not a watcher anymore. Uh, that's something you should observe. I mean, maybe we'll get into this later, but I love that this show has reached the point of self-parody, that they're able to say that um, what's essentially happening here is there's a whole season of Buffy going on yeah in the sort of like just out just off camera right and that we are we're, we're given to understand that this episode is what happens while all the high drama is happening there's this low story that's happening yeah uh that's nice i think that's neat that's what's great about this episode obviously totally uh yoder you have a comment about the car you want to show it yeah so i guess for the youtube uh <laughs> viewers whatever this is a toy car that i had as a kid and uh my mom is in town and she has she brought it over i mentioned it to dennis and he was like i should bring it on just so we can see but one of my favorite things about it is that there's a little cord in the back that you pull and then it runs on the on the ground so that's pretty cool um same color and everything yeah i think it might have been a gift from my uncle like that i can't remember yeah (laughs) was it rory no uh not rory but uh I don't know if he ever had a car like that, but I think he just, it's one of those cars that he was interested in. Did you, were you into toy cars? Uh, I mean, I had some Hot Wheels and stuff. Uh, I, uh, one of my favorite toy cars is actually a Happy Meal uh, toy car from um, uh, the Batman Returns uh, Batmobile. Because you would (laughs) press a little button and it would shoot out, like, and it would go pretty far too. I remember uh, those. And I, I was playing with that with my nephew like about a year ago or so. Like it's still freaking like works great. The spring loaded thing and everything. And there was uh, a, maybe it wasn't, was it the same promotion? There was like a, there was a two face car <laughs> that would go and then it would flip over and, and it would be the other side of two face. It would go the other way. Uh, I remember one that had a giant head of two face in the front or something that would like, oh, pop out, damn. like or maybe it was the Joker, <laughs> but yeah, lots of, that's a toy car talk here. You know, if it was, really, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, if it was con- connected to the movies, it'd be for Batman forever. If, uh, yeah. This the Batmobile is definitely Batman returns that I had. Um, the one but, I'm thinking of, I think was Batman animated series. I don't, uh, you know, maybe funny, I'm just saying that to save it from being shitty. Like if you did like suckitude, if you did like a, just a tangentially like related toy, kind of a story and you took the tangentially related toys like the hot wheels things or the things that don't really fit in the toy uni- the universe of the show and then did like a little story with those kind of characters you know they're you know you play out a batman like story but with just the cars or whatever the stupid not really related there's so many that they make yeah. right and yeah then they, and they'll turn like one scene like oh remember when batman fired a grappling hook well this is grappling batman Hey, remember when Batman fought Iceman? Well, this is Ice Batman. Iceman Batman. You know, like, they'll just <laughs> yeah. put all those variants. Yeah, no, I was just like, uh, my dad's, like, 
I don't know what these people are to me. My step nephew, my dad's girlfriend's grandkids, whatever those people are to me. I was like visiting with those kids and the kid had like a Ghostbusters themed like slot car set. And it was just a mishmash of shit from all <laughs> different versions of Ghostbusters. And that really bothered me. I'm like, I'm like, they've got the stay off marshmallow man, but they've also got the like walking statue of Liberty. That's two different films. And then like, ah, there's Slimer's in it. And that's a whole other thing. And like, ah, I was being a real creep about it. And yes. so no one was bothered but me. Licensing snafu toy stories. Yeah. Right? You're just like, what? It, this doesn't fit. That's <laughs> awesome. There's so much of it. Like Star Wars is full of it. Batman's yeah. bad. Lego's getting weird. Yeah. Got to keep producing more stuff. Uh, I say the, the zombie gang apparently killed the jackals. Uh, do you think that was maybe Xander's old pack? I, they could have reformed as a gang after. I had the same thought. Wow. The jackals are awfully big coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Jackals, hyenas. What's, I mean, we don't know what happens to them. And apparently there's like gang wars in the school that Buffy isn't aware of. Like, you know, I know she's fighting monsters and stuff, but she occasionally stops just random bullying. I mean, people have accused Buffy of being a gang member before. It seems odd they would do that if there were no gangs. So we know that there is some kind of gang situation at uh, Sunnydale High School. Yeah. I, I just, know. I love that Xander can't not be involved in the supernatural. Like if he just steps out of the Buffy gang for a second, <laughs> there's still some other supernatural shit going on. Yeah. yeah. Literally all he tried to do is like, hey, I've got a car. This is my new thing. I have a car. <laughs> like this is innocent enough. And it's like, no. <laughs> Maybe you can be our getaway driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at one point in my notes I wrote down uh, dead baby driver but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck that movie uh, the magic shop has a new owner uh, it's now called Uncle Bob's Magic Cabinet uh, Willow knows where he sleeps um, which made me wonder if he slept at the store uh, which could protect him from vampires um, it'd be smart I don't know if anybody in the Buffy universe is that smart. No one uses the vampire can't come into your house thing to their advantage nearly as much as they could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wonder if it's called Uncle Bob. Like, there's a lot of uncles in this episode. Um, <laughs> I wonder if Uncle Bob is related to, you know, the what I'm calling the family of magic shop owners who keep dying. Like, he's the uncle of the last uh, owner who in my head was like the daughter of the first owner. <laughs> I would love to see if uh, the series keeps going. Like if the magic shop owners keep dying or getting killed off, like they just like put the sign to replace the name part of it. Like it stays like uncle, Bla you know, like, and it keeps just like building up like uncle yeah, Steve's and <laughs> uncle Mary's and then uncle, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I also think this is the first time we've seen a magic shop owner not die. Uh, they did not die in this scene. <laughs> Good point. That we know of. <laughs> it could have happened right off camera. Well, I mean, there's a lot of shit that happened off camera in this uh, episode. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, it's a um, Jack, before he stabs, before he tries to, while he's trying to convince Xander to get stabbed to death, is like, take it like a man, uh, which is some real Buffy-verse ver version of toxic masculinity to, like, 
the biggest extreme ever of like, you're not a real man if you don't get stabbed to death. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of listings in around here. Uh, I'd say uh, Xander is able to run away from the zombie gang using spatial relations because uh, he's slow at spatial relations. That's a good point. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> if you were Xander's parents, you'd notice. We're so proud of him. He was able to understand the shape of the coffee shop. Uh, <laughs> um, and I love the, I really love the Buffy angels scene that Xander interrupts. Uh, I mean, just the show is so aware of like what the Buffy angel scenes are. Right? Yeah. And the best one is just like, just that when Xander walks away, they go right back to it. They go back to these shots and they're like, like the deep, like, Oh, feelings. Like, I can't watch you die again. Uh, it's good stuff. It's right, so, uh, it was. It's wonderful and confusing because it like takes takes you a second to realize that was what they're doing. Because I didn't know not to pay attention to the <laughs> story for a while until oh, yeah. this scene. <laughs> In this scene is when I was like, "Oh, the Hellmouth thing is bullshit." <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. That this was, is what we have a virgin on. But that was the giveaway for it because, like, when. You know, Angel and Buffy are really intense, and I'm like, oh fuck, maybe I'm did I miss a scene? Like, is it? You know, I don't understand. And then when Xander's like, oh, uh, never mind, and they get right back to him, like, oh, this is silly. I get it. This is the meta show. But like, it kept, you know, like when Giles is like casting a spell and like this thing is going back. I'm like, well, maybe these stories are going to collide. Obviously, they're going to collide in some way, and they do. But like, that was the giveaway. Anyway. And uh, they're just a little. They're they're a little too hammy. They're a little hammy. Yeah, it's get just right back to it. It's a little more over the top than the show usually is. Yeah. Right, right. But only like, a little. Not yeah. Like not so much that it breaks the world. It's like it's just it's just on the nose. They're saying exactly like yeah. what the the content of the scene should be in a, like just too articulate for Angel especially as we know struggles <laughs> to articulate his feelings and what is going on in the scene and so for him to be very clear. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also like. I mean, just think of like this is a season finale episode for everybody else, but it's a mid-season episode, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, I say um, I lo- the great, great zombie death with the mailbox um, <laughs> where, where Xander goes and grabs the guy and he's like holding him b- while the car is driving and like, you, go, you better get this question right. <laughs> uh, and then the head pops off. Uh, there's similar... There's like actually two similar scenes in Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, you guys want to take a break? Uh, no, just no, Tromeo and Juliet. Oh, we'll do <laughs> maybe do a bio break uh, between this and questions, which I understand. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. sorry. You don't like Tr- Sorry, dude. Tromeo and Juliet is in the recommendations. <laughs> yeah, I cannot recommend that film. Early James Gunn, right? Don't you love yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy? It's the same brilliant genius behind it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, no, I did not enjoy that film. That movie. Too bad. It, Too bad movie, because it's recommended. That movie upsets me. Which which penis monster upsets you in that? It's not film? even the penis monsters. It's the, it's all the head injury stuff. <laughs> God, that like really, like that's. I, um, I watched some pretty rough movies in my life, and that movie is one of the few that I'm like, I don't want to watch that again. Is it too much of a hot take to say if trauma films never happened, the world would be just fine? I, I think we'd be better for some of them anyway. 
No Toxic Toxic Adventure? That's crazy. What are you talking no, about? No, like the classic like, one's fine, but when they started putting Troma in the title, that's when things really started getting dumb. <laughs> and but they like, need to make it super clear to the audience. Uh, hey, this is a Troma film. So uh, I, I like them. I mean, they're not like my favorites or anything, but I don't know. I think there needs to be something out there just being gross and stuff. Um, did you I like gross. That? Uh, Scott Trimmer's first movie was um, Space Babes from Outer Space, and it was like I haven't seen it yet. There was it was their most trauma film they've ever made. It looks uh, super trauma, which is why I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's got uh, the aliens are ball sacks. And yeah, I've seen I've seen stills from it. <laughs> you, I haven't. I, I haven't thought out watching it. I think did they? Is that the one that was also maybe made partially in Bloomington, if not? Or, yeah. Yeah. Did you? Are you in the background of a scene? No, I just I, I I only learned that stuff like I think when you shared like about like how you had backed it or whatever. I went to the page and checked it out and like, oh like, yeah, an interview with him where like he talked about like how he was hanging out at night moves down in Bloomington, yeah. Indiana, and like came up with the idea. For so the, wait, Yoder, have you sought maybe? out those guys or gotten to know any of those guys? No, no. Sorry, we can edit this out of the podcast. This is super inside baseball. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's it was filmed in night moves. There's a lot of scenes that yeah. take place inside that strip club, <laughs> which I would not be able to recognize anyway. But yeah, yeah, uh, night moves is the strip club that was only down the block from our high school. Um. Yeah, it's still down the block from my high school. Um, I do appreciate. I have to drive past it a lot when I uh, go to my parents uh, to you know have dinner or whatever, and I do like I eye the sign because I always change it to like you know be something witty. And I did hear from someone that maybe like even the dancers are the ones that like come up with the slogan for the sign. Um, I think like the most recent one, for example, that when I went by was a uh, um, tell your wife you're at the gym or something. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to night moves? Has anyone been or is it just kind of a legendary strip club? I mean, it's not legendary. It's just a thing that exists. Oh, okay. Well, it's legendary to me now. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, back to the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, great zombie death with the mailbox. I said that, sorry. Um, so now we get when they in the school um, and uh, uh, sorry, my brain. Um, the Coke snack machine comes into play again. That was my point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, uses the school axe again which for some reason there's a school axe um i just it 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 happened a couple episodes ago like just whenever there's glass people always punch through the glass instead of opening the door like you can't open those doors right <laughs> to like a fire hose or a fire axe like when most of those don't they have like a little hammer or something too like of in case of emergency like so you don't have to like just use your hand to do it there's I don't know. yeah uh, and I say, uh, Xander now has something in common with Negan um, after he crushes uh, Bob's head. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped watching The Walking Dead. Are, are you still watching it, Dennis? No. Um, I, I never really watched it full time. I always got bored halfway through a season. And the comics are better. I would just get angry at it. it kind of the same symptoms of not really in the same way at all, but uh, like lost like that, you know, just the thing of like a network show where it's like, sometimes it can be really good and it delivers on what you want. But then sometimes it's like, 
it tries to be another show or it just like it screws with the audience too much and it's just like no i, yeah. I don't want that yeah some critic defined it as actively hostile to the audience <laughs> I, I agree with that <laughs> for the walking dead yeah uh so mike you ask um yeah uh any idea what the motivations of the zombie gang are anyone uh, they just they just want to create trouble yeah you know, they, they, they killed the jackals, so they got nothing else going. Obviously, they don't even know what they're going to do. But yeah. they're experienced cake bakers. Like, their story is so stupid. They're resurrecting <laughs> each other based on some star signs. Then they're getting together. They want to go get beer, which they don't get. They go to get heart supplies to build a bomb, I guess. And then somehow rig a bomb in the school that looks like a pretty sophisticated bomb. Uh like, but their motivations for destroying the school are chaos, right? Just they're chaos yeah. zombies. Yep. They want to blow up the school. Or if it's uh, Jack being angry that he's been held back for three years in a row. Or <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, he just can't get out of here. That I mean, I'm with like, Dennis. I think his being held back makes sense in the context of like he's waiting for the right time to resurrect his high school buddy so he can continue this high school story. Uh, yeah. Like he's being held back on purpose. What? Because he's what? not done with that stage of his life. How horrific that your it whole is life is orbiting even after you've died around your high school experience and then you're obsessed with like ending the high school. Well, that's probably the only way to end their story is yeah. for them to blow up the high school and escape into the adult world. We're still I mean, why don't they just make a podcast with their high school buddies like moral people? <laughs> I was going to um, suggest I, the same thing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I like I, I forgot to mention this earlier. I like that the zombies are all at like they it, they're like at three different levels of decomp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Can uh, I can I aside for a second because I hung out with Travis yesterday? Uh, do you ever get you guys know the game Life is Strange? Anybody played it? Highly no, recommended no. PC game. A lot of fun. Really well written. It takes place in high school, and the main character is a photographer. And I was talking to Travis about. He's like, that sounds great because those are my two favorite things: high school and photography. <laughs> I think uh, he's like only into travel. things that are, don't exist anymore. <laughs> I, uh, I found all of like my like high school photos also um, this week, and you know from when I was in photo class, and there were yeah, or a bunch of photos of you guys. Really? Um, but any I like remember you taking a lot of photos? Me neither. I did. Ooh, I mean, I boudoir def- photos. I definitely went through. A lot, I would. Probably. I definitely went through a photographer stage. Um, yeah, I have. That care. was when you were at Bloomington, though. That was when you already moved away. Yeah, but I would come back and take pictures of you guys. <laughs> Maybe you didn't know. Sweet. Uh, anyway. Yeah, please, please share them in the Slack channel. That'd be cool. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, like one of the things, like going through this weekend, was like any idea I had of like being like a skilled artist in high school or something were totally destroyed by like actually finding my high school art. <laughs> <laughs> And that includes my photos and stuff. Like, well, uh, oh, I don't know, Dennis. You were, you, were actually, always, you were always a skilled artist. It was, Not uh, that you haven't gotten better, because you have, but, but you were always impressive. There was definitely some stuff I thought was good and thought was worth saving that I are now in the recycling. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just going to say, if anyone actually is a school or a skilled artist when they're in high school, like... They don't have enough life experience to do anything worthwhile anyway. So, like, what's the point? Oh, man. I also found just – sorry, this is not super podcast-related. I also found just a shit ton of 
scripts I had written and stuff during my like big script writing phase. And they were really me writing about stuff I didn't know about, like getting fired from my job and like, oh, my car's broke and my girlfriend's a bitch. We should produce some of them. Uh, they are in the recycling, dude. <laughs> no! Really but, but, like, but wouldn't Keep that everything. be great? Out of Scan touch. it all. And Out also, of touch scripts? My, that sounds amazing. My completely obnoxious like character names like that was i couldn't even read the scripts for some of them for the just for the character names i'm like orson <laughs> and kilgore and like, yeah oh god what the hell that was definitely a hallmark of your writing that i remember <laughs> Unus- i thought that was a reflection because you, you were also born with a slightly comical name yeah so i thought i felt like that was autobiographical yeah yeah i was always trying to there was some like i had one where a guy named a guy was like craig and then another guy's name was krug or something like that i, <laughs> I was like oh god uh anyway back to the podcast um uh yoder you got kind of a summary of the episode i guess well i and this is a big reason why i like asked to be on this one particularly too it's just it's a, a lot of fun but uh my note is a uh, female do- demons eating a zombie. Uh, Werewolf Oz eats a zombie. What other show would you get this stuff? You know, <laughs> yeah. this is also Oz's first kill in the entire show. I think. Uh, yeah. Wait. Of- no. Last episode is when he's oddly full. No, no that's, that's this episode. episode. Oh, that's this the episode. One, oh shit! One okay. I'm talking about, dude. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I need to watch more carefully so I get I it all straight. Oh, so I he didn't- ate him too. I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oddly full. He's going to be pooping up zombie. <laughs> oh, I bet that's a stinky shit. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't catch the first time when I watched it, though, that, like, uh, the whole thing with, like, uh, Willow, like, tranquilizing uh, Oz, and, like, she has a line about it later, but that they, like, dragged him down to the basement to be more safe because of the Hellmouth opening up in the library, I guess. Yeah, that would have been an extra level of chaos. I also think it's funny... Uh, Werewolf Oz is apparently the only creature that's not strong enough to bust through that library cage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I say uh, that was a long, long 40 seconds, that final countdown. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if anybody actually, like, somebody should have actually clocked that to see how Yeah, long there was, like, at one point, especially towards the end when it was, like, seven seconds, then it was, like, one, two, three for it was like a good like 10 seconds and then come back and it was like four seconds <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh let's see um i say uh the line willow says about no one will ever know and i'm like i mean the contractors that they have to hire to repair all the damage to the library and the school they might know something um <laughs> there was just a lot of damage to the building done this episode that uh not to step on mike's predictions but i bet there's no consequences for next week. I bet the library. <laughs> uh, what consequences could there possibly be? Oh, just, we got to move to a magnet school. Everyone going to a different <laughs> location because the school is destroyed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hmm. walls got busted by the demon head and stuff. Um, I guess I didn't really talk about the monster very much this episode. It was a cool monster though. Yeah. Really cool monster. And Did like, they just reuse the monster though from season one? No, it, it is bigger. They say it's bigger. And it, oh, is a, okay. it is a larger monster with um, a weirder head. Uh, but it is funny. Like They obviously spent a lot of money on this new set, on this new monster that we see like 30 seconds of, if, if 30 seconds even. Um. It's cool because like, 
I like the lack of buildup and it's this background thing. It is really fun as an episode because of the, just the overall chaos and you know, Xander ends up keeping that story to himself and they completely, you know, like ignore it as well. Like it's kind of, it's kind of rad. All right. That is the end of our weird noticings trivia. We're going to go on to questions for the group. First question comes from Mike, the Virgin Pulley. Okay. We didn't actually, we're noticing this one about when uh, the guy gets uh, out of the grave and the first thing he says like, Hey, did you get tape my Walker, Texas Ranger? Uh, <laughs> what you've woken from the dead. What's the first thing you do? What's the first thing you want? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's the question. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's the first dumb thing that you do? There you go. Like not like get revenge or whatever, but like, what's like, yeah. Let's say you've been dead for eight months. You've woken from the dead. What's the first dumb thing you do? Eight months. Yeah. God, so check like, the news for this year. <laughs> Jesus. Like if I could jump eight months ahead and know what the news says, shit. Oh man, I wouldn't even want to wake up. <laughs> Things are going to be so much worse in eight months. Yeah, in eight months, if I'm checking the news first thing, like I'm going to be in bed for another eight months. I feel like this... <laughs> uh, you go to know, Taco it's... Bell, you cruise for chicks. Uh... <laughs> uh, like, is there a show I'm following, like Texas Ranger or something? I don't know. That just like. Sp- spoke to me as the dumbest thing to be worried about but at the same time like i got a little bit i mean it's funny but it's also like yeah that's true we're all like it's the little things in life that like you're kind of get fixated on yeah let me tell you one of the things i said out i said into my head one time that really let me know like oh i'm in the middle of like some deep depression is like (laughs) when the new twin Peaks season was announced and it was like two years in the future that would come out i was like uh in my head, I was like, Twin Peaks in 2017. All right, I guess I got to live that long. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah. maybe it would be like something like that. It would be like, has there been a new season of Twin Peaks? Or like, has Star Trek Discovery gotten good? Yeah. I was going to say, I would check on Star Trek Discovery because that's something I care about. And I also have no idea where it's going because, boy, is that a hot mess. Yeah. Well, then, Dennis, to riff on that dark place... Uh, I remember in high school, my mom was a social worker and she had a client who was attempting suicide or talked about su- doing suicide by cop. And my first response was, why would they want to kill themselves? Home Alone 2 doesn't come out till next year. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, there's, certain, there's a certain thing about surviving oh, just for something. God. Like I might. If you were waiting for like, Home Alone two, that was your like lifeline, and then you saw Home Alone two, you'd be done. That would be the end of it for you. I'm glad you did not have a direct line to that person, Michael, because that might have pushed them over the edge. Maybe I don't. I don't to be clear about the story, no one was actually betting their life on the quality of Home Alone two. No, I was just I, obviously like you as a kid couldn't yeah, comprehend yeah. the idea of suicide. right. Because Home Alone I had 2. seen trailers from Alone Two, and I loved Home Alone One so much, I can't imagine why you would kill yourself. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Clearly, no understand. I mean, whatever. Your kid brain is That's stupid. That's an amazing kid view of the world. Oh, I this think- thing I want to do, and <laughs> things I want are happen haven't happened yet. Yeah, I think the dumb trivial thing I would want is to, uh, if it had aired, I would want to watch the series ending for game of thrones just because like like who knows if those books will ever get made and stuff like so like maybe the only version of that 
story ending that you ever get to see. Yeah. Did you uh did you watch the last season of Parks and Rec? Oh. John, what? everything I'm saying today is causing you to groan. I did, what? I'm sorry. The last season of Parks and Rec didn't make you groan? I just, like, there was a joke there I wanted to bring up is all. Because oh. the last season jumps into the future. And so there's a line about, we got to hurry up and watch the series finale for Game of Thrones. Khaleesi's oh, right. marry Jack Sparrow. Why that show really went off the rails? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I forgot what the... The, the actual content of your joke was because I just hate the last two seasons of uh, uh, Parks and Rec so hard. <laughs> Is it because Chris Pratt got handsome? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, in general, that show jumped the shark, but didn't they just lean into the character like jokes, like the character stereotypes that they created, like the <sighs> two everything hard. that made that show ch- charming stops happening in the last two seasons. I didn't, I didn't watch the last two. I'm just guessing. I like them okay. I still think they're funny. It's definitely a show I can watch and not like be bothered by. Uh, yeah, I agree. Except for the first season and the last two seasons. It's, yeah, it's, uh, the, last, the first season's really rough. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't want to do a Parks and Rec recap. I just wanted to say one joke. Um, John, you have the next question. Sorry. Um, was anybody evaluated for special ed when they were a kid? Because uh, Xander has this thing where he's like, uh, no, I'm not retarded. I was uh, tested, but uh, eh. anybody, uh, I was evaluated. Um, and now that I uh, have taken classes on special ed, I have looked back and realized what was going on. Mm. Um, was anybody else evaluated as a child? I don't know if I was evaluated, but I did be in first and second grade. I was taken out of regular reading to go to like the special ed reading. And um, it was really frustrating me because I could read, but I couldn't, I couldn't read out loud because mm. I had a lot of stage fright at that time, which I don't have anymore. I'm obnoxious on stage. <laughs> but, um, I used to like, when I would try to read out loud for the class, I would start crying. And so that they put me in. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense because uh, to this day, a, a big part of how you assess a reader at that age is their ability to read out loud with what they call fluency, which is like reading without stuttering, reading without like going back and repeating anything. Uh, so it makes sense that just nervousness would totally mark you as a shitty reader. Yeah. Uh, I was, I don't know the total thing and I'm still trying to get the full story out of my parents. I've been bugging them about it and they were like, I don't remember. And I'm like, bullshit, your teachers, you know, <laughs> I think they don't want to tell me the full story. But uh, when I was in like third grade uh i was definitely evaluated and tested for uh, all kinds of stuff i think they thought all kinds of things about me uh i think i was more weird than anything just a weird kid yeah. more than anything uh you remember i don't any know of the tests that were conducted yeah, i do i do there was the school psychologist who took me out and wow. gave me a test where they gave me like three parts to a story out of order and i had to put them in order and say what the story was and the story was about like a group of people who their planet was dying and they had to board a spaceship and fly to another planet. This is a uniquely well-suited story <laughs> to my brain. And I was like, I know exactly what the story is here. And I can tell you exactly how the story goes. And the story is awesome. <laughs> and I remember, I, like, I think I did very well in the story, which is why I was not placed in any particular special ed. Um, but uh, as an adult, I've been diagnosed with ADHD and uh, pretty sure that that's a pretty accurate diagnosis, and probably was also, and was definitely also true of me as a kid. But I was never officially diagnosed as a child. But I'm pretty sure that's why I was put into the uh, why, why I was being evaluated at the time. Yeah, 
it is tough when you're just a weird kid. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's a fine line between being a weird kid and being a diagnosable thing that should be treated. Yeah. And as a teacher, I see that too. And I see parents who are resistant to having their kids diagnosed. And I see parents who are really excited to have their kids diagnosed. Uh, and it's, it's a complicated thing. And uh, having your kid, uh, saddling your kid with a label is complicated because it's, you, you do give the kid a stigma with that, but you also have the opportunity for the child to get extra help. Um, so there, there, there's pluses and minuses to it. And uh, all I, you know, like, I feel like I really relate to any parent who either wants their kid really hard to have a diagnosis or a parent who really doesn't want their kid to have a diagnosis. And there are parents who fight really hard for both. And I, I have no judgment for anybody because it's really hard. I see that yeah. happening now with the friend uh, whose kids, uh, one of his kids is like a little off, uh, you know, and they're, they're trying to diagnose what that is. And like, it just looks excruciating for the kid. It's excruciating for the kid and it's excruciating for the parents. And uh, as a teacher, you have kids who are obviously need more help than they're getting. And their parents are really resistant to a diagnosis or really resistant to extra help. And then you see vice versa. You see parents, like you see kids who like are fine, but their parents are really adamant that their child gets certain extra things. And, it, it, you know, and it's complicated. And parents, as, as, sh as it should be, their parents have a lot of rights and they have a lot of sway, which is how it should be. Um, but it's frustrating as a teacher because uh, parents have a really limited view of children because they only see their own child. And as a teacher, you see like a broad, selection of children and so you like sort of like you can sort of say with a little bit more authority as a teacher like your child's different than normal um whereas the parent only sees one child so like yeah it's difficult uh, and uh i don't know i i really related to xander in this sort of moment where he's like no no i'm not retarded but also there is definitely something going on with me <laughs> like i definitely related right. to that moment all right thanks john there was um <laughs> I don't know. That was a lot of info. Uh, Mike, you got the next question. Yeah. So this is going to, it's kind of two questions combined here. I'm going to try to do this not super awkwardly, but Sanders thing is cars. Oz's thing is maybe saying short piff, piffy things, you know, Willow's things being the witch, like kind of what's your thing is kind of my question. But like, have you, I feel like it's always, you make a mistake with your thing. Cause like, I've definitely demonstrated what I thought was my thing and I didn't like what happened next. So I kind of have two stories for this really quick and maybe you guys can relate. So uh, I briefly ran a film, uh, like a video producer networking meetup in Portland uh, a couple of years ago. I ran it for a year or so. I really liked doing it, but people were asking for like, oh, we really like people to demonstrate this, this about like different types of equipment. And nobody wanted to set up to do audio demonstrations. So I was like, cool, I'll do an audio demonstration. Well, once you do an audio demonstration, everybody assumes you do audio. And so then I got invited to do audio, <laughs> asked to do audio on a bunch of projects. And I did a couple of them and it took a lot of weekends and I didn't like <laughs> that I had done that. And I was like, what an idiot. I should have never have set up because that's these strangers walking in are like, oh, this guy's the mic guy. Let me <laughs> get him. And I'm like, this isn't my thing. <laughs> but I made it my thing. You idiots. Uh, 
the other one would be pinball which is like i went through a pinball phase where elizabeth and i enjoyed playing pinball together a bunch and now everyone still thinks i'm obsessed with pinball and i'm over it and been over it for years so my pinball machine i moved on oh that's good to know do you still have the uh, johnny mnemonic machine no no i sold it oh well done for twice what i paid for it so i'm very happy with that i mean it worked out oh so when i was like let's go play pinball mike you're like uh you weren't as into it as I thought. When when was that? Last year? Last last time we were I was in Portland. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I like pinball, dude. It's fun. But I don't like I'm not going to competitions anymore and I'm not like okay. yeah, that level of seriousness. It's also yeah, I do feel like it's okay to have casual interests. It's hard, like I feel like everybody yeah. feels the need to specialize and shit. But like it's okay to just have a casual interest in something. Like my interest in pinball is casual. It's like I don't think I've played a machine since I hung out with you last time. But I Great. Really enjoy pinball when I play it, but I'm not like going to buy a machine. Yeah. For some reason, this just made me think of uh, my sister. uh, She like got like, you know, like a toy cow once or whatever. And then like it became a thing where she kept getting like all these cows. And it's like, I think she kind of admitted to me at some point that was like, it's like, I don't want these. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you keep getting that thing because people are like, oh, yeah, you like this, right? You have these. And so it's like, here's another stuffed cow or whatever. Yeah, I think I think my interests are pretty blatant and are at this point in my life honest. Like, there probably probably was times where I was faking interests or something, but like, but uh, do you know where you like fake an interest and then you end up having to like follow through on it? Like for the audio yeah, thing for me, yeah. where it's like, I mean, it's not something I don't know how to do. It's just like I don't like doing that so much. Like, I mean, like doing production audio on a shoot, right? Yeah, like, holding boom mics and making sure everyone's wired up and shit. Like, I find that to be so tedious. Do you know, I mean, and hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I totally, I mean, it's a fine line, I feel like, between this is a thing I like and this is the thing I'm. everybody thinks I like. Yeah, uh, but I think, I think it's also a thing of like, um, it's easier to shop for somebody who has a thing, right? It's right. Like, it's easier if you have a friend who's obsessed with the Muppets to just like get them something Muppet related every year or something, right? Uh. I, I'm never sure to what extent my interests are my own versus like it's this like horrible self-portrait that you've created uh i mean things that i think i feel are very personal to me but also it's part of the like bullshit self-portrait like uh I decided that being a therapy giants fan was like a huge part of my identity for a really long time and uh worked really hard to like keep that going I haven't listened to any of their last like three records. Don't even have any idea. And I'm like kind of fine with that now. Took me a long time to get there. Yeah. Where it's like, that's I don't a, need to support amazing. that part of my own identity anymore. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I, I, or, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever the thing is, right. How much of, uh, anything is just identity construction and how much of identity construction is bullshit. But if you had that experience there where you step out and to do something, like what I'm talking about, like the audio thing, where you step out and do something yeah. different, you're like, oh, this is my thing for a second. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pretend to an audience this is my thing. And then yeah. you're treated by professionals as if that's your thing. And you're like, yes, I guess I have to do this now. Well, as a teacher, and, like, like... whole body clenches up. You're like, ah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll be there next week. No problem. Yeah. I, I, as a teacher, I, I wound up teaching media literacy to young kids, which is a highly specialized rarefied thing that I never meant to do. It was only accident that I ended up doing it. 
And then I'm being asked to like write papers and book chapters because not very many people do that. And like, I didn't mean to do it in the first place. <laughs> like, ah, I don't want to do this. That happens. And it's scary. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I have that with like, I never accidentally said I was an expert in audio or anything. Like, I just feel like, like you're like an expert in monsters, Dennis. Yeah. And like how much like, of that feels organic versus like a accidental thing you did. It is an accidental thing I did, but it's because it's a genuine interest. Yeah. But like, um, I mean, it's the same, like, I don't know. Like, I think, I really think my interests are sincere at this point. Like I like monsters. I like dinosaurs. I like comics. I like Betty Boop and Star Trek and Buffy. <laughs> yeah that's basically who i am taste wise like um and it's definitely been reinforced going through all my shit and like like i don't know yeah i think i've just figured like i've eliminated all the stuff in my life that isn't the stuff i don't like like i don't know what are, what are the things within reaching distance of me right now i have a postcard from mystery science theater 3000 and uh let's see I did, sorry, I just got some po- weird well, po- I, I guess monster like, postcards. You guys are really fixating on the stuff part of it, right? Okay. Or yeah. Right now, like, and I, I just mean like it's almost like the identity thing versus the stuff, because like, yes, yeah, Xander has a car, but like he doesn't. The identity of a person who runs the car is like, oh, you have to be the driver. You have to drive places, right? And you well, like, and then these other responsibilities come from that. Versus, right. like, I, I, yeah, the the stuff is a part of it too, right? Because it's like, oh. I have all these things around me. I only surround me with things that I love, like totally, which I get. But like, you're representing yourself as a cartoonist. You're not representing yourself as a, well, maybe maybe you're like, oh, I'm an illustrator. And then someone's like, great, I have a children's book I love illustrating. And you're like, oh, fuck, that's not me. But I guess oh, it's, yeah, uh, that, that, that does happen to me a lot. People request me to draw stuff that I don't want to draw, but I don't do it because I, I don't want to do kids' book illustrations. And like, I say I'm a cartoonist. I don't say I'm an illustrator. Um, and I feel like that's a decision you made fairly early on in your career, Dennis. Yeah. About yeah. what you would and would not do or what you are and are not capable of. Yeah. And I don't regret it. Um, yeah. I made that decision and now 10 years later, I'm like, fuck. Like, well, I mean, I feel like in the short term, that seems like a dumb decision. Like, why would any artist turn down work? But on the other hand, it's a really smart decision because I feel like artists that are successful are artists, artists that can sell. Like, I do this thing. Yeah. Right, like, like no one's gonna come to you to do anything but monsters now because hopefully, like you know, every now and then I get asked to do like a character or something, and I'm like, that's not my thing. Yeah, but I'm like I character. feel like that's the the second one where you specialize a little bit is probably the smarter way. I mean, I don't know as not a working artist, I feel like, but like as an outside observer, it seems like when people hire illustrators, they actually do hire them because of what they're good at. Yeah, with what Michael so. was saying though. Uh, like so i draw comics too uh like dennis and uh at my job uh at the bookstore we have like a chalkboard a giant one for the monthly calendar and it's following me a lot of times to have to like clean it off at the end of the month and i really hate doing it because it just takes forever and it's like gross and stuff and then like you have to like write up a new calendar it's like whenever i do it i just write i don't like i don't do any additional drawings because it's like no drawing is what i do for me i'm not gonna do it like Mm while I'm getting paid, you know, this rate to like be working at the bookstore and yeah, it's like this, this isn't what I want to do. Like, and also there's like other people that like 
maybe they're not as skilled at drawing, but they like drawing on the chalkboard because they think it's fun for them to do, and I'll let them do it. Yeah. So instead sense. of being like, I think I might have drawn on it once and was like, hey, that was fun. But then like I realized like, well, this isn't really my medium either. Like these chalk markers are kind of weird and not working with me like how I'm used to drawing. And like it's like I, I don't want to have to do this every month at my job just because they think like, oh, David draws the best, so he should do it. Mm. But people know you are a cart are cartoonist, right? So they're like, David, why don't you draw a thing? Or yeah, or whenever there's something that's drawn like semi decently up on the chalkboard, like the people, like my coworkers, are like, "Oh, did you draw that?" And it's like, and I'm like, "No, I don't like drawing on the chalkboard." <laughs> so. uh, that just reminded me of your comic about Little Yoder doesn't dance. Like, no. <laughs> uh, all right, um, we'll move on to the next. I ask, uh, how is there a race of female demons? Let's conjecture, because um, the demon's responsible for opening the Hellmouth. Buffy reads in a book that they're a warrior race of females, and I'm just like, how do you get a whole race of females? It's like Themyscira or whatever, Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. Where did they come from? Uh, how did they get made? <laughs> <laughs> well, how did they make more Wonder Women? I mean, Amazons? Like They sculpt uh, them out of clay. <laughs> well, that was just the... That was for Wonder Woman, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they were created by um, Zeus. No, well, it's Zeus in the movie, but it's uh, Diana in the comic. Uh, I don't know my Wonder Woman books out. <laughs> I could look it up. Probably Wikipedia uh, is a better reference for. But like, they were they were created by the Greek gods. Maybe it so, was Hera. I don't know. Is there a female demon goddess then that just creates the female demons? Like gives Maybe. birth from them. Yeah. That's a possibility. Any other theories? Males in chains, tortured, forced to, you know, do their bidding when they need it. Time for snoo snoo. <laughs> like maybe one, kind of like a queen bee, but the king demon, something like that. John, you got anything? <laughs> no. All right. I don't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I like Mike's answer. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, Yoder, you got the next bunch of questions? Uh, we don't have to do all of them. Uh, I, I think I'm more interested in maybe the top one. Uh, have you ever been unintentionally a part of the crime life or been taken on a crime spree with your friends? Like you became the car man or wheel man, whatever. Um, I do have a connection for this and it's something that came up just recently that I was thinking about talking with another friend uh, that in college I had this friend that she would, uh, she liked to shoplift a lot at stores and but like like i would be shopping there like legitimately and so like we'd both go about our you know getting our materials or whatever like often the art supply store uh because you know we were college students at an art school and like then i'd go check out and i'd meet her and as we're leaving and, and she'd be like look at all this stuff i got and i'd be like oh my god like because like i i'm just too much of a rule follower i'm not like good about breaking rules and like anyway that's my story yeah, I, I've definitely had similar things to that happen. I dated a shoplifter for a, a little bit uh, and actually still have books in my collection that were gifts of shoplifting uh, from Borders. The reason Borders closed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was also part of the conversation uh, I was having with uh, uh, my friend. It was like, uh, 
knew someone in college that worked at a Borders or Barnes and Noble. And he told stories about how like he'd see guys with bags come in and just like put books in their bags and then like walk out and not pay for it. But like they weren't allowed to ask to search bags or to do anything. And he was basically completely powerless. <laughs> it's like, it was just like there for the taking pretty much. Hmm. I, I remember uh, uh, um, my ex-girlfriend's brother was a really big shoplifter and he would do it really blaze brazingly. Like he'd be at borders taking apart the DVDs to tear apart, to tear off the like <laughs> tracking device and just be doing it in the store. And then <laughs> Is this what I'm thinking it is? Yeah. I okay. assume I, I can read your mind. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, a, a, a friend of ours, I'm thinking of a friend of ours who like, I think it seemed gradual at the time, but in retrospect, it opened over like the course of like two years. It was like one minute he's like, oh, this is my crazy friend who's funny. And then like within a few years, it was like, I'm a drug dealer and here are my guns that I carry as a drug dealer. And yeah. that transformation freaked me the fuck out. And I think it actually at the time it seemed gradual, but actually looking back on it, it was so fast. Yeah. Uh, that happened. Yeah, basically somebody went from pretending to be something to actually being that thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, by uh, trying on that identity and then enjoying the identity hat. Yeah, yeah. and then he's just like, I was room being in my kitchen and being like, here are all the guns I carry and there's three of them. And being, being like, oh my God, there's guns in my house! Yeah. Go I mean, away! I, I like remember that. driving him uh, from Ohio to Indiana yep. uh, from to stay with me for a little bit. I was like, this is, I shouldn't I shouldn't be in a situation, but yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> yep, same same person. Uh, apparently wanted by the police, wanting to stay at yep. my house, and I didn't understand that I was, uh, yeah, an accomplice in that by uh, letting him stay at my house. Jeez. Yeah, I actually uh, enjoyed the shoplifting stories more than the serious yeah. story. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sorry to take it serious. No, oh. you know, uh, this is a part of uh, Yoder doesn't know about this. I don't think. I don't think I ever talked to. Him. Yeah, I didn't realize I was opening up a can of worms or whatever. Uh, I just thought it'd be fun. But anyway, uh, <laughs> my my favorite unintentional crime life one is probably show uh, season one. There's a really funny scene, you know, when uh, they uh, and whatever. I'm not knowledgeable. What? No, Peep Show season one. I can't think of the name of the character, but uh, they go, they're going to like a girlfriend's house or something like that, and they just mm-hmm. throw rocks at the place. Yeah. And uh, one character is just along for the ride and didn't realize they would be throwing rocks at a random girl's house <laughs> and it's on the run. That kind of unintentionalness is really funny. Um, real life or, unintentional crime are always sad and upsetting or like shocking. Uh, I was thinking of like The Office where Michael like uh, unrealizingly like kid. Uh, or kidnaps or like that kid that's the pizza delivery guy is like holding him like in their office and not releasing him, you know, cause the pizzas were supposed to be on a coupon or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the next question I had was just about feigning interest again, which I think we've covered pretty well. Uh, this is a very brief one. Uh, my real, my noting that they're not baking a cake. Did anyone else notice the first time watching that? Like, they're going into the hardware store. Xander doesn't think that's odd. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to just be like, maybe like small main street downtown, like a hardware store would also have cooking supplies, like for like a legitimate cake sort of thing. Or... I would like to point out that you can also not buy the like components for that exact bomb at a hardware store. Like they I'm buy sure. a can of black powder. You cannot just buy a giant can of black powder <laughs> at a hardware store. 
Well, maybe the hardware store is working like the magic store or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Their bomb was too sophisticated for them to have ever assembled. <laughs> yeah. Although I, get the idea that, I get the idea they've assembled that bomb before, so it's like maybe they right. make this one bomb. Right. Yeah, but there's definitely a shot where you see a giant can of black powder, yeah. which, like, I've watched enough Mythbusters to know that you can't just go into the hardware store and buy black powder. I think I thought that was a can of paint when I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, do I have the next one? Um, mm-hmm. uh, if Xander had not stopped the bomb, would blowing up the school close the Hellmouth? Oh, that's a good point. Or would it open it more? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, not remembering the episode, uh, even though I asked to be on this one, like when that end scene was happening, I was really trying to think ahead of like, okay, what really happens here? Like th- there is that big discrepancy with how the time is working and like they do a terrible job of like the first time I show it, it's like an hour or whatever. Like, so initially I was like, oh, Xander's bluffing about how much time is left on the clock and only he can see it. So like he's scaring the guy, guy off that way. And then my second thought was like, well, these guys, these zombies are like idiots. There's no way they made a like a working functional bomb that'll do anything. So maybe it'll count down and it'll just like be a dud. <laughs> oh, you thought it might not have gotten disarmed. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I didn't remember how it actually ended. Yeah, it would have, you know, it would have been a bummer if they closed the Hellmouth and then they all died in an explosion. So I mean, it would have been a, a fun writerly thing to do. Do you guys ever read The Stand? There's like a famous scene in The Stand where Stephen King didn't know what to do with the, the, the story and then just had everyone die in a huge explosion. Like a bomb goes off and kills a bunch of characters. Uh, similarly, you could just like, eh, get, let's just get rid of them and start over with this uh, gang of zombies. They're pretty cool. <laughs> let's keep the same show name, but it's about the zombies now. Yeah. So the yeah, library is on the main floor and the bomb's in the basement, but the that's not like directly underneath the library right because the hell mouth that goes underneath the library like straight yeah. to the do we have a map of the high school no i'm just saying like it'd be interesting if the bomb went off and like somehow it like closed the hell mouth back up because it like explodes up and i don't know <laughs> yeah the hell mouth seems to erupt right directly directly at the library and if there is a basement under it it seems not affected so i assume the hell mouth isn't um like a corporeal it's not a literal space like it's like a portal or whatever that opens there so it could just as well open like right three feet in the air or something like that but i don't know uh and this you know uh science of Hellmouth might change uh all right uh do you have any- i have one last uh okay. the most important question that uh, maybe put too far down but you too good to be dead Yes, I'm too good to be dead. <laughs> Mike? Yeah. Think you're, you think you're too, too good to be dead? Yeah, too good to be dead. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of a stupid death gang. A suicide club gang. All right, you guys are no fun. Uh, John, you're <laughs> muted. You're, mu- you're muted, John. Sorry, thank you. Um, I don't know, if this is your chance at immortality, are you saying you wouldn't take it? You seem to still rot. I wouldn't want to... Yeah, but I mean, again, you're going to die eventually. Eh, I'm honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm not chasing immortality. Uh, I have to think about it. I don't know if it's a decision I can make without really being presented with it. All right. 
Well, it's really easy to make that decision when uh, Katie is around. So, yeah. <laughs> was anyone else confused about him calling the knife Katie at first? Like, because they didn't, the girl that's into the cars, like, I thought maybe that's who Xander was talking about when he kept saying Katie, when he's like, he's like, uh, the difference between us is that you have Katie and I feel Katie. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I was just a little thrown the first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, because they, you know, he pulls out the knife and he's like, I call her Katie. Yeah. He gave it a girl's name. Oh, yeah, very serial killer. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Not a damn normal reaction to knife knife being presented. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But we should make fun anyway. Uh, themes, deep stuff. Let's move on. Uh, all right. Uh, Yoder, are these all you on themes? No, not all of them. I hope. Um, there's one in the middle that's definitely not me. Okay. Uh, but I guess they're mostly all me. God, I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, anyway, at the start of this episode, uh, I wrote in my notes before even watching, uh, I want to like Xander. I, I want Xander to be fun. And like, I think that's just because of uh, starting this rewatch with you guys doing your podcast that like realizing like how terrible Xander is most of the time, especially to his friends and everything versus like my memory of what he is in the show. And I think a large part of that comes from this episode actually like, right. Like it's a standout one for me in, in my mind of like, like, Oh, Xander, you know, that sort of thing versus like, Oh, Xander. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think this is a good point to talk about like how Xander reads as a character now versus like, right. when I was in high school and I really liked Xander, um, but right. he has been difficult to watch. So does this episode like change the feelings people have about Xander now? Uh, did he, was he good in this episode? Well, that depends if this episode is a turning point for this character or not. <laughs> and I'm hoping that it is, but I trying to figure out a prediction around that, but it feels like it could be an opportunity. Like, you know, I think having losing his virginity, having sex with Faith, and kind of overcoming something by himself, like a big supernatural, you know, mess, is like gave him a lot of confidence to ignore Cordelia at the end when she was talking shit about him. You know, I, I would hope that this new Xander is a more confident and helpful person, but I, I don't know how that would affect all aspects of him like he's been shamed a bunch for his behavior in this season too so like it would be a good opportunity for his character to turn around if that's what's going to happen with the show but like definitely all xander to this moment like has been kind of challenging right like yeah funny <laughs> line but like hard to love he's still problematic in this episode like that yes. line about uh playing the flugelhorn and not getting any trim like that. Yes. Just very gross <laughs> on that like gross. so many levels. And then he also has like a no homo moment where yeah. he's like, yeah, we're just oh, wrestling, but not, but not yeah. in a gay way. Yeah. 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 So like Xander does the like, yeah, I'm trying to have sex with everybody still. And he still does the, I'm not gay. Everybody there. He I does that. Yeah. Which I feel like isn't a big deal for, an actual high schooler. Like I know we were that way. Well, right. We were that, that way. <laughs> but well, so, so yeah, when, that's like the deeper mean, stuff. When Xander is written as every man, right. To the extent that Xander is written as every man, the every man he's written as is us. We are the right gender time and place to be that guy. Yeah. And that's why maybe we find him so awful. Right. And so like, it's both <laughs> why we, 
It's why we loved him when we were younger, and it's why we hate him now. Yeah, we could relate to him then, whereas now, like, we don't want to relate to him because we hope we have grown past being that teenage version of ourselves. And I think maybe, like, maybe that's the most hopeful thing about the show then is, you know, if we look at ourselves now, I'm hoping we're all uh, better people than we were, you know, 10 12, well, 15 years we're better ago, people uh, at least in as much as we're not Xanders. Like I don't think any one of the four people who are on the podcast today. Yeah. And maybe are men who are constantly seeking sex with all our female friends. And, and maybe Xander, you know, if his story carried out to present time, you know, right. he'd be a better man than he was as a high school student. Oh, this, um, I have a random, uh, I bought some Buffy season 10 comics to check them out. Um, and uh, no spoilers on him or anything, but Nicholas Brendan has uh, co-written some of them. Oh, really? <laughs> oh that's interesting. He, he wrote some uh, uh, a Xander arc that I read that was like really weird. Also, real I life Xander is problematic. <laughs> accidentally, like I thought I had finished reading Buffy season nine like like years ago, back when they were making those comics. But I definitely hadn't, so I was like, "What?" Right. Is <laughs> uh, but the Xander is in a Buffy's in Buffy season ten. Xander's in a really weird place. Uh, okay. Uh, Nicholas Brennan is at least partially responsible for that. So Buffy season ten would actually be two thousand seven. Take place in two thousand seven, I guess. Right. Since the show right. started in ninety seven. <sighs> so still not our age. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess. Hmm. To the extent that Xander is us, right? I guess the question is, how do we feel about that character? I mean, I love how Yoder articulated it, right? Which is like, you don't like him because it's too much like how you used to be. And so you right. moved on, right? Like that's... Yeah, I think that's right. But we yeah. hope that this episode, or I hope, you guys know what happened. But I hope that this episode marks a change in the direction of this character though I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> to what extent do you guys feel like there's already been a change? Because I feel like there's, a, I mean, not like a major sea change or anything, but I feel like uh, Horndog Xander has at least been toned down to some degree. Do you guys feel that a little bit? Well, and I think like he has seen like consequences of actions of like pursuing romantic relationships because like he's definitely hurt, hurt Cordelia. He's hurt his like right. Oz and Willow's relationship. He also like hurt the chance of like him and Willow to continue to be able to be friends because he had this attraction and everything. And like, so hopefully these things, you know, those are life events happening to him that will make him reconsider like, okay, uh, maybe I shouldn't like make, you know, slutty comments about Buffy or whatever, or, right. you know, like, yeah, like hopefully. <laughs> well, I mean, definitely like the, having sex will hopefully like have a positive impact on that character. Cause like, you know, all of the sexual scenes that Xander gets into or the, you know, the hijinks, it's like you want sex so badly, then it's offered to you in a way that you, that surprises you and you're scared of it. And then, yep. you know, what Xander's done traditionally is like, Oh, I guess I got to run. But you know, in this world, like he's had total rejection from Willow. Right. And like, can't even be a part of that mission, you know, cause there's that, you know, he sees Willow for a moment before, you know, the faith scene happens and she says, I love you. Right. And it's like, Oh, I think Zan- part of Xander's like, Oh, maybe there's a thing, but clearly it's like, I'll never see. It's like, there's a never see you again vibe to it. And then, you know, he saves faith and then faith's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I need to have sex. You. 
and you know that happens in yeah, I don't know the, my point was like they're, they're the virgin the virgin character right who's like super horny this horny virgin character gets what they are asking for but is scared to get it and then they get it and then they're like has he's now empowered to go after and like pursue like the, the villains in this quest and like that's a good simple arc but i like it because it's like the fixation of needing to help out maybe he's trying to help out buffy and willow just so he can get in their pants at some point in the future or whatever it is like he can now focus on the thing that like he's been refocused in some ways mm. i don't mean to like just mumble about this i just know that like the horny virgin thing i'm so tired of and i'm glad that they like conquered it because you know the miss french scenes you know where he was supposed to hook up with praying mantis lady like that didn't happen like and so you know he and willow didn't really happen he and cordelia didn't really happen like they didn't have sex right and so it's just that character just can keep being recycled so it's like ah if he can move forward we would hope yeah okay that's interesting like in a way sorry sorry, go ahead raider I, i was just gonna say i think hopefully there's like some uh, like Chronicle of Growth, like if you look back to a specific moment, like the Love Spell episode, I don't think Xander now would do that. Like if he was in the same situation, like I think, uh, hopefully, again, uh, that uh, he he wouldn't do that. And also like he would maybe react differently to it backfiring on him, you know, like with uh, friends coming on to him. And, like, I mean, he did react else. differently when Willow was coming up with that anti-love spell. Uh, That's true. Was like, oh, I know those ingredients. Don't do that. Well, yeah, but that that was like a fear. I don't know. Um, yeah. Different motivation. Okay. Right. Whereas now, like, hopefully you would respect that, like, well, p- using magic to put someone in love with you, like, that's not right. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I think at the, like, the most I want to give it is that I think the show has recognized that they've gotten all the yucks they can out of that character <laughs> and that they're going to move on. I don't yeah. know because it's not as though Xander is. I don't think Xander's had a moment of recognition of his previous ways, and just, there's no learning and moving on. That that hasn't happened overtly. Yeah, and in fact, um, uh, uh, when Willow is dealing with the consequences of their like kissing affair, Xander is very actively not right. He's right like, in previous episodes has been like when do we get to be done with being guilty? Like I'm, t- I'm not always going to be the guy who's guilty. Like he's actively not wanting to like face the consequences. of. Correct. Uh, and I, hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so faith is not in this episode very much. She's got like two scenes, but she's there. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about her some. I like I like Faith. Uh, I think I might be the only person on this podcast who does. I, I don't know that I dislike Faith, but I, I, I like the role that Faith plays in this episode in a way. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, she, like, she's like, I mean, on the one hand, she's just a catalyst for Xander, right? So maybe that's not the best way to have a female character. But on the other hand, uh, I think that this is a moment that maybe I had as a young man where I realized that like the, like whatever sex obsession I had was really just something I had to get over. Yeah. And yeah, uh, having a woman who like didn't give a shit was actually helpful because it's like, Oh yeah, now I'm over it. Moving on. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like I feel like that 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 I relate to Xander in that respect. Where like there, there's a young woman who's like, oh yeah, sex is about sex. Yeah. Well, I think. And, the, uh, sorry. And I, I, yeah, and I think what you said about like her being a her being a catalyst for Xander, like that structurally is true, right? That's like what she, her point in this story I, is. But I feel like I think Faith has a deeper backstory and longer story arc that we're just not the show is doing a disservice to the character and not showing enough of at this moment anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like just cause I, th- I think she's going through different stuff. Like, I mean, obviously she's going through way different stuff than Xander. Uh, her world's totally different than Xander's, but like we only get these weird glimpses of it cause she disappears for episodes at a time. Um, and, uh, uh, I just think it's all, like the way Faith is so different from Buffy is really apparent in this episode because this is like the most we see Faith, the most we've seen Faith up to this point interacting with somebody that's not Buffy, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and just like that she's going through similar stuff as Buffy, but to, like being Slayers and being the chosen and alone and stuff, but is like dealing with it in totally different ways. Um I would say Faith is the catalyst for Xander, like you guys have said, but I think it's more about how uh, Buffy and Whedon like to subvert, you know, your expectations of what is typically in roles. And so, like, she's the one using Xander for sex instead of, you know, the other way around. Um, so that that's kind of how I saw it more, I guess, which is over in the show, too. Yeah. Yeah, but also like the way Xander reacts to it as though like I don't know. Cuz there's 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 sex as pleasure but there's also sex as achievement, right? And Xander gets this like sex achievement. He's like achievement unlocked, had sex. <laughs> and also like not only that, like had sex with this like Amazon warrior, right? And he gets this like big boost to his self-confidence. It's like I had sex with Faith, holy shit. Uh and it, that is both an achievement and disappointing for him, I think in this weird way. Yeah, yeah, because they have that like brief romantic moment where you think Xander is like, oh, he's going to obsess. He wants this, and I don't think he won't. I think that is something the show's going to do. But like, also, like she's like out the door. See ya. <laughs> Which is so important for Xander. Yeah, to, like to, for him to be used a little bit. Yeah, that should for be that a predict- sexual transaction to be clear, like clearer for him. Like it's so important because this guy does not how to know how to turn it off. Hmm. I'd like to hear a prediction when we get to predictions, maybe from you, Mike, about like how Xander's going to interact with Faith going forward. Oh, well, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely yeah. a meta Buffy episode. It's like uh, this is Buffy's. I don't know if it's its first, but this might be Buffy's first, like first truly meta episode. This is the uh, Jose Chung's from Outer Space of Buffy. Yeah, it's definitely the show's definitely had its meta moments. Like it's had its like dropping tuesday as like yeah day things happen but yeah this is the full the first like full meta episode definitely uh there's oh there's another one of uh xander is willing to die by bomb is this only after getting used for sex by faith <laughs> in the case anyway well yeah just because he's also had a very low moment uh in the show like where his friends are saying like oh you're not useful for any you're at most useful for getting donuts and you're not even useful enough to get donuts for a second run because we don't want to put you in danger in what's going on in the story at large here. Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he's good enough at getting donuts that he got four jellies, which sounds insane, but is actually not even enough for this. It's not enough group. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I know that was not a question about jelly donuts. And Michael, I guess I, I, I feel like I, you know, like this is kind of the point of the show is that like, this is your first time watching it. And I, I just enjoy like getting your, uh, opinions and things. Um, because they're different than like uh, mine having been with the show for a while. But uh, do you feel like you missed out on like this, the fake like ace story about the Hellmouth and things that like, we'll never know. Like, do you wish you had seen what actually was going on, who the villain was that they faced or was this satisfying for you? Did you really enjoy it? Like everything with Xander? Oh yeah. No, I, I enjoyed this episode. I, I was just faked out and for a little bit, as I mentioned earlier, about what this show, what this episode was going to be about. But mm-hmm. it became clearer that it was a Zan- about Xander. But it is weird not to get the satisfaction of understanding what the story is because the Hellmouth opening is such a big deal on the show. Yeah. And for it to be treated so casually is hilarious and off. <laughs> but it just shows how much more important the Watcher Council story is versus the Hellmouth story in this season. Like, the Hellmouth is a great season one story. Uh, and I guess a season two story, right? Well, however they knock, you know, Angel into hell, it's not the Hellmouth exactly. It's a different Hellmouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hell has many mouths. Right. So <laughs> but only one anus. <laughs> oh, God. Everything's got to get bigger every season, right? So, you know, we got to move on past the Hellmouth now. It's not going to reopen. Uh, that's not the big crisis. So I, I, I got that. I think the big crisis has to be around the Watcher Council next because that's like, because as a you know in the opening of this episode they're just reminding you uh it like last time on buffy you know and they just show giles getting fired like yeah this is going to be about the watcher council for the end of season three is a prediction i guess the other thing i would want to ask you too is uh do you think uh the show did too good of a job of making like xander seem completely pointless to the group like it doesn't (laughs) serve a purpose like is that a problem for you like going forward that like what's his role to play other than being funny horny guy Oh gosh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think like I just assumed he'd get back in the group and not that he now is pointless. It uh, is interesting they even like like one of the notes I wrote that I forgot to type up was like uh why like why are people worried about Xander getting hurt now? Like mid season three? Like maybe they should have been left from the group like years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, what about the- this episode like makes people be like, No, Xander, you're just a baby boy. Don't he's literally the the same friend that like died in the first season or whatever you know he just he hasn't died yet or whatever but he has been useful so i mean i disagree i mean the show is saying he's useless for this thing but like he has that crazy military knowledge from the last time yeah Mm -hmm. from when he like became a military like came a soldier in the halloween episode right like yeah i've done quality violence for these people yeah and he has done quality violence uh and he has been useful if only like to be the guy that gets clobbered first like so that someone else gets a break or at least the way they shoot, you know, the fight choreography. And then he was able to get, you know, that rocket launcher to destroy the, uh, the blue the guy, judge. the judge. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he's been useful, but it's, yeah, it is sad to see him like totally useless, but you know, like I'm kind of I felt that way about him for a while. <laughs> so like, I'm glad the show addressed it and now cool. Now he can figure something else out about himself. I mean, I don't think he's gonna become a witch. Like, you know willow or something 
but yeah, he's not you a don't you don't need a group with two magic users like they got the fighter i don't know they need a they need um a bard a bard yeah <laughs> i mean well, he's got, he's i was a bard the last time we played uh, uh dungeon world um it was I, I was trying to make up songs in real life like for everybody <laughs> Uh, why don't we move on to predictions? <laughs> predictions! Okay, yeah. so at this moment, Mike, do you know what your percentage is? Like 68. 69. 69, dude. Oh, still at 69. You're hovering at 69. We've been we've been to 68, we've been to 70, but you just you just want to stick at 69. So alright. Now we've got a lot of predictions here that are relevant to this episode that may or may not be confirmed in any direction. So oh, okay. uh, I'll just go through some things here. All right, bear with me. Uh, season two, episode 15, Mike says, this is not the last time that someone will assume that Xander is gay. Now Xander has a no homo moment. Does anybody actually assume Xander is gay other than Xander? I he think was, not. Yeah. Still I don't open. think he's, okay, it's still open. All right. Uh, Mike says there will be more Xander ogling scenes, meaning scenes in which we ogle Xander, not in which Xander ogles others. Uh, do we ogle? Do we ogle Xander? Xander is sexy for the for the consumption of the gaze of the camera at any point, other than uh, when he was uh, in his speedo way back in season two, episode twenty. Um, does I don't think shirt- so. Does he get shirtless in this episode? I think I you see his so. back, though. You don't see like yeah. His front. Uh, yeah, that's more. That seems more about Faith taking her shirt off than. There's some agree. chest stuff. It's just not in slow motion. Like, okay. Just, uh, in season three, episode five, Mike predicts that there will be a spider monster. Now, the monster that comes out of the hell mouth is really more of a tentacle monster. But anybody want to make the argument that's a spider monster? That totally doesn't count. Okay, I, I just checking. Okay. Uh, so, season three, episode seven, uh, the Watcher Council is concerned with bigger shit than Buffy and Giles. Now, now we, did, we said this, epi- this is still considered open as of the last episode, but the fact that nobody in the Watcher Council wants to let Giles know about anything apparently now, do we want to say that they are concerned with bigger shit? Because apparently they don't even need to let Giles know about a nest of demons in his own backyard. Yeah, Are they I concerned guess. with bigger I, shit? Do you want to... It seems like they might be, but it's not like directly stated. Um, yeah, I, I almost feel like we should have given him this, given this to him last episode when we saw more about what the watch. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. And we decided not to last episode, so I don't know. They do seem like they're pretty much at the drop of a hat. Like, if there was a new Slayer and a new Watcher, like that wasn't like they don't care about these people specifically. It's about like fulfilling the roles of like this is what has been throughout time sort of thing I yeah think, more. yeah was that was that uh prediction more about like whether they're actively fighting monsters outside of the slayer or if they're doing like other kinds of work or something i have no idea or, well I thought, my, my thought the prediction was that like the watcher council does not care about giles and buffy that much they care okay they care about this you know you turn 18 ritual and making sure that she's probably killed like they would rather have her killed uh, apparently like they don't yeah the hell mouth opening hasn't really perturbed them that much you know giles need for help like you know faith living destitute like they don't care about slayers they have other stuff you know what are they watching they're watching for bigger stuff than, yeah. uh, than this i feel like 
if we didn't do this last episode, we, we might be waiting for a, be- be- a better sign. But we could make the. I mean, I you know we're waiting for a bigger sign because this isn't like there wasn't any clear interaction with the Watcher Council. They refused a phone call and the help. Right. The lack of. The lack of well, we don't the know la- exactly the lack of interaction is is, yeah, is don't know what their message with. It hasn't been confirmed what it is. Okay, I think okay. when Mike when Mike himself is saying it's not confirmed. Well, I, so I don't think it is. do you remember <laughs> that uh, when Oz was it locked up in the uh, cage and Will was like, oh yeah, you know sometimes dogs can sense a, a earthquake coming or whatever. It's like that. So does this count for Oz's powers of smell will come in handy again? No. Is Oz smelling anything and is that coming in handy? No. Okay. That was, it's close. I just thought it might bring it up. Okay. All right. This one is hotly debatable. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, no, it's not. It's actually not debatable at all. Excuse me. So Mike predicted, uh, Mike predicted that Xander will lose his virginity to a monster in season four. Denied. So that's obviously not season that's four, wrong so we don't know. But yeah. wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I I know. I I know <laughs> happened. I was like, as soon as right. No, I was also thinking about way way back. Mike also predicted Xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster. Now I don't want to get into spoilers in any way, shape, or form, but like, is Faith a monster? No, she hasn't not been shown yet. to be yet. If that's the case, okay. <laughs> I mean, but we were to, oh, bah. like she's what's a, a monster? She's a what's slayer. a monster? I mean, <laughs> I would guess uh, uh, Buffy's mom like was saying that slayers and vampires are the same thing. Like exactly what yeah, what, what but, constitutes being a monster is being superpowered can, <laughs> enough to be a monster. No, no, slayers aren't Buffy's monsters. Not, you can't say that. Yeah. And okay. Because also another part of that prediction is a monster, but he doesn't know it's a monster, and we all know Faith is a slayer. Okay. Um, all right. All right. I'll leave that one open. Okay. <laughs> no, it's closed. Well, the, the two separate predictions, right? About the I mean, he can still have the... sex with a monster. Oh, right. sorry. Oh, in season four, I didn't say virginity, right? Just no. It just says well. So okay, there's no, two the different virginity ones. One there's is gone. there's 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 Xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster. There's that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that one can still be open. Yes. Okay. And then there's also uh well, is that when we find it? Pretty sure uh, you said it's Xander will Xander will lose his virginity yeah. to a monster in season four. Okay, that one's denied. Yes. Because he's not gonna lose his virginity in season four, no matter what kind of a creature it's to. <laughs> Unless it's there's time travel virginity loss, which is po- yeah, possible. That- be it's some serious retconning. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and spoil. There's no time travel virginity <laughs> loss for Xander. Let's spoil that right here and now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's a denial. I'll send the spider guy back in time to when I was a kid, so I'm not obnoxious. <laughs> oh, before. it's a spider monster too, so you get that prediction as well. I, I, I'm trying to <laughs> my prediction. Oh, no, it's the super prediction where... Xander travels back in time and has sex with a spider monster who is also Cordelia, who is temporarily evil. Or whatever. But it solves him of some childhood trauma. Which is, <laughs> that might get me to a 72. Totally worth it. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Um, all right. Now, 
does Willow master the four elements in this episode? She does some more advanced spells. She seems like she might be past mastering the four elements, but it's not explicitly said so. I think if, you, if you're making fog, that's got to be two elements, right? That's <laughs> uh, heat, air and water. Air and water. Yeah. So it's two elements down. If we saw like earth shake during it. And right. Fire. Okay. So we're going to leave that open. Well, yeah, because I think it's actually three then, because it's fire, water, and yeah, with the cloud. So you just earth, wait, not earth, folks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see. Uh, Giles will be missing some knowledge in the future because he's missing his books. Now he's missing knowledge in this episode because of his connection to the Watcher Council. Is there any sense that like he might be able to do this if he had his books? Well, that could maybe make more sense. I mean, it's nothing overt in the show, but like the fact that he is like trying to get in touch with the Watchers Council for answers. Yeah. Maybe it's because he doesn't have his trusty books or as many of them to refer back to. I feel like that's reading into the text. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, if you had just predicted Giles will be missing some knowledge because of these events. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, uh, the book thing was about because I thought maybe the books were burnt um, in the right. uh, um, gingerbread episode, right? Right. right. Okay, finally, uh, Giles will continue to train Buffy. Is Giles, con- so like, we last time we saw Giles, like, not a watcher anymore. It's clear they still have a relationship. It's not clear that they're training, per se. I don't think we saw enough of their side of things to know what's going on. Yeah. So but Giles like is still involved. Montage? Yeah. We need to wait for the next training montage. Is that what we're saying? Uh, unless he, well, it doesn't have to be a physical training, right? It could be mental training. That's part of the right. Uh, but yeah. is is Giles training her in this season or in this episode? It I, seems like they're working together, but yeah, they're definitely working together. Yeah. Is there training? I guess not. Okay. So we're down. It was basically one denial, no confirmations this episode. Then. Uh, so, Mike, you're now at a 68.1. So you're no longer at a 69. You're at a 68.1. Well, I have uh, too many new predictions. Uh, you can just copy-paste them from here at the bottom. Here. Uh, let me see. Okay. Uh, predictions. So they're all about a ton about Xander and Faith, and I've been very specific. Oh, whoa. That is a, that is a ton of predictions. Holy shit. So uh, let me get into it. Okay. Xander will tell people about his hooking up with Faith will fair, tell people. Fair prediction. He cannot help himself. Faith will be slut-shamed by Xander in a future episode. And by that, you know, I mean Xander will t- throw some shade at Faith. Okay. Faith will have sex with someone other than Xander. Buffy. <laughs> Xander Do you will have a time frame for that? Or? Oh, when Faith will have sex with other than Xander? Uh, in season three? I mean, it'll be this season for sure. Uh, let me just write that in there. Uh, Xander will not have sex with Faith again. However, Xander will make out with Faith again. They'll make uh, out, and then there's going to be like a moment, and he's like, "Hey, maybe," and she's like, "Oh, shoot!" And then like, "Nah, I'm not doing this because you want it too bad. <laughs> You're gonna. This is some weird puppy fixation thing, or whatever it is." Um, however, I don't know how it'll be written by one of the billion writers for this show. Uh, and then Xander is not over Faith. He thinks that something should happen. He's going to say it out loud. <laughs> He's going to make that clear. <laughs> uh, and then the season three finale will be about Buffy and team versus the Watcher Council. 
and then last one, Oz will kill again. Oz will kill again. <laughs> right. I need to gloss over season three finale. Uh, if if Oz kills again, do you think he'll remember the next time? I mean, he'll remember it this time. <laughs> the only no, one of these that I feel like full. oh well, might be his werewolf periods. Mike, at, sorry, at the end he no. says he was strangely full. I don't think he knows he killed someone. You want to make a prediction about that, or we could just talk about it. It doesn't have to. Uh, sorry, I was about to say something else. Sorry, my brain didn't follow you guys. Oh no, just like you say that you hope this is the turning point for Xander. I, I that seems hard to rule on. Oh, I don't. I don't, I don't think that's a. I, I, that's a, not a prediction. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't. I, I couldn't turn it into a prediction. I wrote it down. Like maybe I'll think of something. Like okay. All right. That's removed then. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't know what Xander's powers will be. Like all right. You know, Xander will continue to be the bard. I mean, I don't know. That doesn't. Right. Are we allowed to try to like coerce predictions still? Or not? <laughs> um, yeah, you are. Uh, Michael, do you think uh, will Xander continue to be the car guy or not? No. Like, will that be his identity? Guy. <laughs> to be the car guy i don't is know that, if that is that a prediction worth being yeah. a prediction or not but oh shit but sanders gonna use the car. the car will be used the car will be totaled in season three let me just say that the, okay what do we call it what's the type of car the bel-air chevy bel-air the chevy i mean it's not even his though it's his uncle's right that doesn't matter the chevy bel-air will be totaled in season three okay i think this might be a yoder troll but i'm in <laughs> that was in high school Oz, Oz was already the guy with the van, right? They don't need another car guy. Xander just totally forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, that was predictions. You want to move on to kill count? Woo! Let me find my sheet of paper. Um, four dead zombies and only three dead demons that we saw. But I am presuming that more died off camera, but I can't make a number count. But. Um, the trio at the beginning were the only like confirmed dead corpse, dead zombies. Um, but I assume there was more members of that group and monsters could have died at Willie's bar. Uh, but I don't know. So that's the number. Uh, all right. Uh, recommendations. Uh, <laughs> I already have a song. You don't have to. I knew there was a song going to be playing. And then that thing happened with my mouth. Um, all right. Uh, I recommend uh, the movie Tromeo and Juliet um, <laughs> because it makes John upset. Uh, no, because um, it has a couple of different car crash scenes that are similar to the cars, car, the car death in this. And it is a fun movie. I don't care what John says. It's uh, really gross. It's probably, I think it's probably the best of the uh, Troma Studio movies. Um, it's written by James Gunn who also wrote and directed the next movie I'm about to recommend. And it's the very first superhero movie I've ever recommended on Buffy Virgin, the specials. Um, it's his first superhero movie. It's kind of about the superhero losers. It's the team that's like not even the B team. They're like the C or D team. Um, and it was made before superhero movies were popular. So it was like not like a well-noticed movie at the time. It would have been really big now, um, but it's got, um, Thomas Hayden Church and Rob Lowe and um, Jamie Kennedy in it. And it's pretty hmm. funny. And it's, I mean, it's just like if the team is all Xanders, right? But it's in this world where there are bigger superheroes. Uh, I also, because it's a car episode, got to recommend Christine. Um, I really feel oh, like yeah. 
Xander thought this episode was going to be more like Christine for him. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, because that same thing happens with the main character in that where he gets the car and he's suddenly cool. Right. Um, I actually have a really hard time watching that movie because the guy's best friend, the like hero guy is named Dennis. And I'm just not used to care. Like Michael and John are probably used to people with their names on TV, but I'm not. I find it really distracting when it. I am. I am used to that. <laughs> uh, Yoder had the next one. Uh, oh, did you put it in there for me? I forgot. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Runaway Daughters, uh, directed by Joe Dante. Uh, it very much revolves around a car as well, and it's got a young Paul Rudd and uh, Julie Bone. Whoa, wait. A Joe Dante movie I haven't seen? Holy shit. Yeah, it's good. It never came out on DVD. There was, I think it did. It's on VHS. Um, runaway daughters yeah Mm -hmm. it's fun it's it has like you know it's joe dante and it has like it's his cameos of all his favorite people and stuff oh i'm watching that tonight good yeah (laughs) it's like um it's like probably of joe dante movies it's most similar to like matinee i was gonna say that would be a good pairing matinee is pretty good yeah uh and then because this episode is named after mark's brother I had to list one Marx Brothers movie, so I picked Horse Feathers because that's the one where they go to college. Uh, so that's most similar to <laughs> their experience. It's funny. I mean, the Marx Brothers are funny. If you haven't seen a Marx Brothers movie, you should. Agree. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that's it. Um, so uh, I'm, as always, going to promote my stuff. Uh, you can uh, buy my comic, The Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales, and my old graphic novel Amelia, both on Amazon. Uh, you can find my comics at Dennis comics on Twitter and on my own site. And, uh, yeah, find me, Michael, what's going on with you? Oh, I started a vlog. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I met a vlogger and now I would like to vlog for a while. Uh, Oh, can we find your vlogging? Oh, you can just Google Michael Poley and you'll find me. I'm the, I'm the number one Poley that shows up in my own searches. But I'm on YouTube. All my vlogs are on YouTube. I'm, my username is MP197400, which I desperately need to change. So, uh, Michael, you weren't born in 1974. <laughs> nope. It's just uh, my username assignment from Ohio University when I was a student there. And uh, I did in my YouTube channel name whenever I made that in 2006. So anyway, that needs to change. But yes, I have a vlog. I've been vlogging about my life. Uh, please comment. Let me know what you'd like me to try blogging now. It's mostly about my hobbies. <laughs> and uh, Yoder, what do you have to promote? Uh, well, I make comics. I do a somewhat weekly, not always weekly, but a uh, movie review and comic form with uh, my friend David Carter. He does a written review and I do the comic one. Uh, he hasn't done the written review yet, but the most recent one we did was for the Florida Project. Uh, it's a new movie out uh, with Willem Dafoe as a motel manager in Florida. Um, and I guess the other thing I'd like to plug, which I want Dennis maybe to try to plug more in the future is our own uh, stupid podcast uh, called two dummies and a dumb movie where we just chat over a uh, subpar uh, bad movie. Uh, not anything even as good as a bad Buffy episode, but uh, usually monsters and stuff and we drink and make jokes. Yep. 
Um, I was promoting your future podcast last week. Oh, I heard that. I need to get the ball rolling on that. But that was maybe the thing I was starting to think of, Michael, when you were talking about being the sound guy. It's like, it's like, uh oh, I don't know if I really want to peg myself as the Smallville guy that like (laughs) now I have to like devote all this time to Smallville because I know it's terrible on a lot of levels, uh, and that would be part of it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so well, maybe then stop writing Smallville into your own comics. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll yeah, see. I mean, I'm I'm the Buffy guy with my friends now, so you know, just be be wary of what you're doing there, Yoder. Well, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> uh, John, do you have anything? Uh, to no, I have nothing uh, whatsoever. I'm in this amazing podcast uh, called Buffy Virgin. Everybody should know about. How how could one one find Buffy Virgin? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not connected <laughs> with that aspect of it. Uh, you can find us uh, on iTunes or wherever you can find your podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at Buffy Virgin Pod. We're on Instagram Buffy Virgin. We're on Facebook uh, as Buffy Virgin. Um, and you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, that is where you can find us. Um, all right. Well, have a great week, everybody. Uh, and I'll see you in hell.